Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 77 of the Inside Groove Supermodified podcast. And I don't think I need to really talk about uh, the significance of the number 77 in Oswego Speedway history, now do I? Um, the interesting thing is that the subject of that number 77 history, or the main subject perhaps, um, is also the topic of conversation that I'll get to in a minute because there was another Bentley Warren sighting on TV this week. And you have a chance to go check it out. So going to tell you what and where and how and why and all that in a moment. First of all, my name is Tom Baker. For those of you who might be tuning in for the first time, welcome to the show. This podcast talks about Oswego Speedway, super modified racing, 350s, small blocks, uh, whatever it is that's super modified, ISMA, MSS, that we can um, get access to and uh, whoever will talk to us and take the time to uh, spend some time with us. We try to uh, make that happen over the course of the time that we have. So uh, good to have you all with us for another week. And we have two voices today on The Groove. The first one that you're going to hear from is Rich Worth. And Rich, to me, has become... Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to use the word icon because he would cringe at that. But Rich is a center point. The man owns... <laughs> lots of race cars here. Um, so when you own as many race cars as he does, you become somewhat important and, and uh, you know, just integral to the, uh, the type of racing that you're doing. When you, when you own that many cars, you're, you're, you're really committed. And I know that, but he's the sponsor for the 350 division at Oswego and uh, has done a lot in New England as well. So, uh, Rich is on the show. We did an interview, and I'm just going to warn you, when this comes by, it's over an hour. So if you need to refill your beverage or, you know, whatever else you might need to do, <laughs> hit the pause button before the interview starts um, and, uh, you know, and, and go do what you need to and get sat down because it's going to be an hour. And then uh, Camden Proud joined us again. Uh, first time that Cam on two shows in a row in quite a while. Um, and so we kind of recapped last week at the Speedway and previewed the month of July, which is one of the biggest months, I think, in Speedway history coming up with the big shows they've got. So there's that. Now, I want to use the open uh, segment here to tell you about something that I think all of you ought to go and seek out and tune in and watch. If you've never seen Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s series, Lost Speedways, it is on Peacock, which is NBC's streaming network. Um, and I think it's $4.99 a month or something to subscribe, but I don't think right now you even have to be a subscriber to this to go check this series out. Season 2 just came out. And... It That series is right now, season two is in front of the paywall. So go check it out. 
um, you should watch them all because how they go to these tracks and, you know, the footage, I mean, you're, you're literally seeing here's what the Speedway looks like now. And then they really deep dive into the history of the track, usually talk to one of the big racers. And these are all short tracks. I mean, you're not, you know, they, although they did Texas World Speedway as one of the ones in season two, but they're all short tracks. Now, episode six, I think it is, or seven, I can't remember. I binged watched, I binge watched all of them yesterday. So um, I, I completely went through last night, watched all of season two. And uh, late in the season, they, uh, one of the last two episodes, I think, of the season, they did Arundel Speedway up in Arundel, Maine. Okay, now, if those of you who've been around a while will remember Arundel Speedway as being a track that back in the, you know, the very early days of the 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 super modifieds, the cut downs, the, you know, when when everything was just getting started, that was a big deal. And it was one of the tracks where Bentley, you know, really started to hone his skills early in his career. And I got to tell you. Um, Junior and Matt Dillner did a brilliant job. Uh, Dr. Dick Bergeron and Matt Dillner were the ones that were at the track this time. And, and they do cut-ins to Junior from his, you know, his uh, shed studio. Uh, it's a really cool the way they produce these. But um, so Dr. Dick and, uh, and Matt Dillner were at the track. And um, eventually... After they've talked about Bentley, here comes Bentley on his motorcycle. So Bentley's on this show. They show some great footage of, of super modified racing interspersed throughout the episode with Oswego and all kinds of, of other footage. Um, and it isn't all just a Bentley. There's some crashes in there. Some, I mean, it's just different footage. Um, told a great story about... Uh, Ali Silva and Don McLaren and the, and the feud that they had up in New England back in the day. And uh, this one particular story that happened at Arundel, I think um, they, Dr. Dick recalls that where, um, you know, Ali and, and, and Don kind of got into it. Um, just, uh, just a, a really cool episode of Lost Speedways, Arundel Speedway being the subject of that episode. So I highly recommend that all of you go and don't just watch that one. Watch all of season one and season two, some really, really awesome historical stories of some of these tracks. Um, you know, the occasional early NASCAR track, but a lot of these, like I said, are just uh, short tracks that have come and gone and um, they do a great job. I, I really, it's one of the few series um any more that I can't get enough of. I mean, you know, everybody has their their series on, you know, on these uh, streaming channels that they like to binge watch and they can't wait for the next season and whatever. Um, not a lot of that appeals to me at this point, but I, w I wish they <laughs> this should be a weekly show um, because it's just incredible the um, – the stories they tell that the season two finale is Myrtle beach. And that one is a, is a, a tugger because, um, you know, that was juniors basically home when he raced late models. And 
So that one, you can kind of tell that it was, you know, that one meant something to him. It, it had a, a very personal attachment to it. And, of course, it just shut down last year. So um, to look at it, and it's being decimated now and, and dismantled. And to look at it now, and, and, and you know, for those of us who, who have been there any number of times and kind of have that, you know, that emotional connection to it, um, you know, it's it's just hard to look at. It's hard to see the piles of, of rubble, you know, <laughs> you know, and just it, it, it just uh, it, that was a that was a tough one for, for Junior to do. You could tell. Um, but uh, just some great stories in there. Season two was was awesome. Season one was great, too. Um, but season two is incredible. I mean, just again, the production went up a little bit. They kind of figured out how to do it. And um it was it was awesome. Just uh, so I highly recommend that you go and check all of those out. They're only about thirty minutes apiece. Um, not nearly long enough, in my opinion. But I but I understand why it's that way. But they're about twenty eight to thirty minutes each episode. So you can literally sit down and if you got a couple of hours, you can watch three or four of them. And it's easy. That's why I said it's easy to binge watch a whole season in a night because they only do, you know, six or seven episodes. So if you, you know, if you're if you're an eye owl like me, you can easily devote, you know, four hours or whatever it takes to, to get through eight episodes. It was, it was just really, really great. Um, so again, check that out. That was cool. Bentley is such an icon and, um, you know, you just really understand watching this show even more than when he was on the Dale Jr.'s download, you really understand Jr.'s reverence for him and his deep rooted respect for him as an American badass. Um, <laughs> When you watch this Lost Speedways episode um, and, uh, you know, the way that he talks about him and uh, just seeing Bentley there and whatever um, and on the motorcycle and they get in some old cars and drive around the what's left of the track surface or whatever. It was really cool, really cool episode. So um, I would recommend everybody go type in NBC Peacock streaming into Google and uh, go check those episodes out, especially now. Cause like I said, I think they have them uh, in front of the paywall, which is kind of surprising, but um, you know, just, uh, just go check those out and, and uh, look for the one on Arundel Speedway. Okay. So uh, I went a little longer in the open than I like to um, again, just want to say real quick before we uh, transition here, I want to say real quick, thank you to all of the sponsors of the show. Uh, Skip's Fish Fry slash LaGroff's Pub. Uh, Sean Cathcart, just a, a really, really good friend and loyal uh, follower and supporter of this show, as is, uh, of course, Rich Worth, who's on the show today. Um, we had Sean on um, in the past also, and uh, we've had Jeff West, our other sponsor, um, big sponsor from uh, IPC and d Performance Composites. Uh, just really appreciate all of our supporters. It means a lot. Um, and, uh, we, we enjoy doing these shows, so we hope that you'll support them. Of course, Rich, uh, talks, we, we started talking about JNS, uh, uh, JS paving. So, um, you know, make sure that you, uh, don't fast forward through that. Please just listen, listen to his story. Cause it's really part of Rich's overall, uh, story about racing is the success that he's had in the business. And, uh, so, um, you know, we, we hope that you'll support all of our sponsors and, um, and make sure that uh, you tell them thank you for supporting this show. With that, uh, we head off to 
uh, hear from one of those sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Rich Worth, and then you'll hear from uh, Camden Proud. We'll be back to wrap it all up at the end of all that. So uh, stick around. More of it. Hey, here's a little fish tale for you. It's about a place named Skip's Fish Fry. Skip's Fish Fry is located at 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. So don't call them on Sunday or Monday. They're gone fishing. They are open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. They serve a variety of great fish, burgers, Hoffman hot dogs, conies, lobster, soup, salad. They even have cheesecake if you feel like some delicious dessert. I love their haddock pieces. That's one of my favorites. Uh, And they just have great food. It is the best fish in the Port City. I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor of the show. It is one of the first places that I go to eat every time I'm in town. So call Skip's Fish Fry or go visit them on their website at skipsfishfry.com. And by the way, you can order online and just go pick it up. It's a great way to go ahead and take care of the not-so-fun part before you get there. And then when you get there, just pick up your food, bring it home, and enjoy. Skip's Fish Fry, 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. Go visit them. Welcome back to Inside Groove, episode 77. And you know, I this is one of those moments where I realize just as I'm starting this segment in which we have a really cool special guest, Rich Worth, is joining us on the hotline. And I realize as I'm starting this segment that uh, the episode number 77, which, of course, uh, you know, we're going to have some uh, conversation about that later. But I, every once in a while, I kind of walk into uh, a place where I didn't try to go. Uh, Cameron Rowe, who runs number 77, is kind of a part of RBI Racing and um, and has been. Uh, and so uh, we do have a little bit of uh, context there with the show number. But more importantly, and obviously for anyone who's listened to this show for any length of time, uh, Rich is a sponsor, uh, full disclosure, JNS Paving. And, um, you know, but you know what? Uh, part of why you sponsor a show is so you can be on it and talk about your business. And so, uh, Rich, we're going to start right off and uh, hope that our audience will uh, allow us the freedom and the opportunity to do that without uh, <laughs> without protest. Um, talk about JNS Paving a little bit. What do you guys do? Um, where, more importantly, where is kind of your territory that you work in? But talk about uh, what you do and why would somebody want to use JNS Paving versus uh, someone else who does similar things. Oh, gosh. Starts out with being right here in Oswego, for one. Okay. Um, I, w- I couldn't think of any other place to be than right here. It's where I live. I love it here. And just proud to serve my friends and neighbors in this community. I used to go all over the countryside back when I first started, before I got a good reputation. But most generally in the last few years, especially in the last 10 years, um work has come so much uh, because of the good reputation that I just don't have to leave Oswego. I don't want to leave Oswego. I can, but I choose to just stay right here. There's plenty enough work right here in town to keep me right here at home every day. So, and that that's good because I'm not running all over the countryside. It's, you know, more for drive time to go out and fuel and all that stuff. It's just a good, it just works out really good. 
Okay, so basically, city of Oswego, county of Oswego, what's your territory? Pretty much, uh, you know, within a 10-mile radius of Oswego. Okay. We go to Fairhaven. I grew up out there, and uh, I love it out there. And it's one of the only places I make a, a lift, and I get there. I'll be going there in just a, another week and a half or so. We'll be out in Fairhaven, and I'll be out there for, I say, a couple of weeks. But I know it could be up to a month before I get back to town. That's how much work I got out there. Oh, wow. That's great to hear. Now and I don't advertise a lot that I go to Fairhaven. It's just because people know me. And once I get out there, like I said, people will see me working, and it just goes from there. But I'm pretty much booked for this whole season. Um, oh, wow. For regular driveways, I had to leave myself a little bit of slip-in room for commercial parking lots come along, you know? Yeah. Stuff you, people can't wait a year and stuff like that. So I did have to leave myself a little bit of time for that. Uh, work's going great. The guy, Robbie the Wrench, he's my all-star bobcat man, um, roller man. Oh, uh, Elijah nice. and Jeff, my other sons, they rake, they they just run the crew and stuff, and uh, they make it easy for Dad, that's for sure. So it, They enjoy going to work and, and uh, doing a nice job like they've been taught, and they get to work with Dan and Ricky, my two best friends. Ricky drives my dump truck, and, and Dan is the head foreman of the whole crew, even the boys. Nice. And, uh, me and Dan and Ricky have been together since we were like 12 years old. <laughs> oh, that's up, great. Grew up in Red Creek together, and we've been best buddies and been lucky enough to stay together for the whole run. That's fantastic. So basically, mm-hmm. okay, so it is really as simple as paving driveways and paving parking lots. That's basically the extent of what you do. That's pretty much the extent. Okay. All right. You know, in the past, there was hardscaping, landscaping, things like that came along as your paving driveways, especially new installs for new houses and stuff. Saved people um, time and money by being right there and being able to put in a lawn and, and do landscaping and save them, you know, a lot of money doing it because we were right there. Um, so I've got myself a lot of jobs like that in the past, and that's been, you know, Everything's beneficial to help go along. You don't just pave, but in the years, you know, in the last few years, that's all I've done is just full-on paved driveways as fast as we can, and you deal with weather and issues like that. But Sure. I pretty much got to fine-tune after 31 years. You, you know how to run things and how what makes things work and what things don't work, and you just go with the flow and go with the good and, you learn from your experiences. That's all awesome. different. I apply the same things that I apply, you know, in my paving company. It's pretty much exactly how I try to run things with the with the race team. You know, there's a lot of variables. It's hard to keep everybody happy. I have my family, I have my racing team, and I have the paving crew. If I can go through a day without teeing off somebody in one of those three families. It's a good day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. Doesn't always happen that way. Uh, but I try my best, and I'm usually pretty good at keeping things smooth and running the way they're supposed to. Okay, so let's talk about the racing thing. And, uh, oh, by the way, before we do that, uh, I know you say you're booked for the season, but as you say, there's always that potential um, how do people get a hold of you if they need a paving job and they want to choose JNS? How do people do that? Well, it's easy. You can find us on Facebook 
um, under JNS Paving here in Oswego. Just Google it. comes right up. Or just call 315-591-3839. My phone number. It's the easiest way to go get a hold of me. And uh, I can set up a, a time to to look at your driveway and uh, give people an estimate. And pretty much what I tell people right off the bat is I am booking for a year. And, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to get to you this season. And most people are just ready to get an estimate. And if it's right, get on my list and go from there. Most people tell me, Rich, we just want you to do the job, so we're willing to wait. Perfect. Which is a really good feeling. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so there you go. Uh, so, uh, JAS Paving, uh, Oswego. And, again, just Google it. It'll come up. And uh, talk to Rich if you need any kind of paving work done. Okay, so now let's talk about racing. And thank all of you who are listening for allowing us to do that. We we really, obviously, promoting your sponsors is a big part of what uh, what anything is uh, here nowadays. And so, uh, and we really enjoy our sponsors. We have them for a reason. They're friends, and uh, as much as uh, supporters of the show. So, uh, we're going to try to get um, Jeff West on again soon, and also, of course, uh, Sean Cathcart again, because I want to talk to him about Lagraff's Pub. I am dying to know um, what uh, what possessed him when he added more work for himself to do uh sean has done a great job with uh, everything he's got so anyway racing um how what got you take us back what what got you interested in racing in the first place and and uh then we'll kind of walk through that and get to what possessed you to go out and buy a garage full of race cars but what got you started the sport what was what was your touch point initially uh, was it just right. going to I'll the track as a kid? I'll start, and I'll try to make it as quick as I can. Oh, no hurry here. The first time I ever walked through the gate of the Springfield Speedway when I was about 12 years old. And my Uncle Barry and Aunt Mary, Mary Creek, New York, they took me to the track when I was a kid. And uh, we used to the Red Creek Rock. Um, we didn't know him personally, but the, the family did, I believe, and we knew of him, and I remember Kemp bringing the car to the Red Creek School parking lot and running and firing the car up and just driving around the bus loop to just check for leaks and stuff like that. Well, us kids could hear them, you know. We're like 12, sure. 13 years old. We're downtown Red Creek. We heard the super fire up at the school. We're like, hey, Kemp's up there. Let's go. And we'd ride up there and just sit on the sideline and just watch them and check out the car. And I must have went home and told the family about it. And uh, the next weekend, there we were at the Swigo Speedway. So it was pretty cool to see all that from the get-go. It wasn't until I was an adult and ran across Tony White when he was pumping gas at the Highway Oil gas station right there on Bridge Street in Oswego. And I lived in an apartment right behind it. Oh, wow. Okay. 9th Street. Okay. And so I'd walk over to the gas station, get a pack of eggs, and shoot the shit with Tony. And before I knew it, we were hanging out and fast friends. And he was like, hey, do you want to go to a party? And I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm like freshly married and stuff. He goes, oh, we'll be back soon. And uh, I didn't get back soon. <laughs> I got in big trouble. <laughs> and turns out it wasn't the first time I got in trouble kind of on a regular basis hanging out with Tony. But it was all in good fun, and we had a riot together. And uh, I used to go to a shop, you know, and they were tinkering back then with uh, with the four Superstock. Yep. And uh, I'm pretty sure there was some JMS paving vinyl even back then on the very first car. Ah. 
and the supers were in the works, you know. Uh, Dan Denny was there, and uh, Wayne and Tony, and uh, gosh, they were always messing around with race cars. And like I said, the first small block super modified showed up. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what is this? And I was, wasn't, you know, into it 100% like I am now, but of course I was fascinated. It was a race car, so sure. it didn't take long before I was throwing money at them. And uh, we had JNS Paven on the side of Tony's first super. Wow. Uh, I got the side of that car in the in my barn on the wall. I treasure it. And uh it's pretty cool to have. That's awesome. Yeah, that's uh what a great way to uh, get started and and of course uh uh you know a great way to remember Tony and uh you know last week and we'll get we'll talk in more detail here in a minute about this but last week uh seeing Robbie run so well um, in in that uh, that event, and for a minute, uh, I thought, well, maybe uh, you know, Rabo is going to go out and win this thing, and uh, you know, just we were hoping that, so. Yeah, he I did bet. look so good. Yeah, he really he did. He started on the pole, and like I posted, the kid raised his heart he and did. his tires away. Yeah, and a little bit towards the end there, it just settled in, and he ended up with fourth, which is still great. Oh, we it's fantastic. Static that he brought the car in and you know it was in one piece <laughs> okay so <laughs> you know um, what our luck's done <laughs> yeah well exactly yeah that's that's exactly right okay so let's go back a little bit here okay so you were with tony and then um you know what what uh from there how did you continue through and what led you to do your own thing here um you know, and and kind of start what we know is RBI at, at this point. Well, back then when Tony was gone, the car sat in Wayne's shop for like a year, and uh, Mark Regan decided that he would help us out, and he jumped in the car. Okay. And he, he raced it for a couple seasons, stabbed a couple of wins, and uh, he was already retired, so he didn't want to do it long, but we wicked appreciated him that he – Still put the car on the track. Yeah. And uh, after that, Robbie Pullen flew the JNS Paven flag on the side of his car, and I sponsored Robbie. Okay. And Robbie did it for years. And as Robbie was phasing out of it, I just, you know, I was just a sponsor. I couldn't go all the time. I was just into everything, other things like raising all my kids. I was going to say, them, so being a dad. Plenty of time to spend at home and stay at home and do stuff like that, concentrate on my work. It wasn't until I'm pretty sure I drove to Harley out there. Tim and Jody Dates is out there in Red Creek, and Tim had the the old four car. He okay. went out and yep. got it and put it together, and it was fantastic. And he was in it 20 years ago, and he was getting back into it, and I couldn't stay away. I, he's my buddy, and I I cared about him and his car, and so it didn't take long before I was throwing money at him, and we were putting JNS Paving on the car. Oh wow! So. It started, that's where it started. And he started the name, The Really Bad Idea, and I just kind of <laughs> adopted it because it's been so fitting. <laughs> well, it's been, a, it's been fun along the way. As Tim went through, you know, the season and uh, he hurt his back that day and wasn't comfortable in the car at all. It was really hurting him. So he and Danny was up in the stands and he happened to run across Mikey and, uh, Mikey planned on being up in the in the in the booth. Never been up there. Just wanted to spend a day in the booth and be spoiled and pampered and watch a race. And 
he didn't run into Denny for five, Dan Denny for five minutes. And uh, he says, once you get in that car, Tim Certain, he says, you know, we probably let you drive it. And so they pulled it down to the pits. And sure enough, Tim's like, get in it. <laughs> and the rest is history. So Mikey drove sure the car, is. and he did good in it. And uh, Tim really fell in love with my Harley. <laughs> and uh, we ended up striking up a deal. And uh, he needed the Harley. He oh, needed I see it. how that it went. Just okay. dress away. I didn't have time for it. I said, let's, let's make a trade. You take this Harley. I'll take the car. And we'll go from there. Wow. And uh, so we ended up trading. After the Classic was over and stuff, we ended up doing the full trade. He owned the bike 100%, and I took the car. And thus began so, all that. With Mike, you know, he does pretty well in race cars and sure stuff. Does. And, you know, Mike Bruce was new to me. And so what I had learned that uh, this was a rough and tumble, rough and tough gang, kind of, you know, the yeah. Bruce gang. And uh, they were no one to mess with is what you see is what you get and stuff like that. But the biggest selling point, and I totally loved this, was Frank. Mike's dad. He told the most amazing war stories of racing you could ever tell. And I just sat there in awe and listened to him. And you know, I made up my mind. I was like, dude, this kid is, he's a badass driver. He's a badass family. And I totally love it. I wouldn't want it any other way. I like it that way. And uh, <laughs> so we just kind of rolled with it and went through the first season in 19, finished it out and stuff. And, uh, it was pretty good. Of course, didn't get the race last year because of the COVID. And, uh, but we had put together some 350 cars. And uh, for Cameron, when he was, you know, driving for us, and yep. Mike. And uh, we took the 350 cars to, to Star and raced every every chance we could, every race that they had going on at Star. We even made it to Thompson last year at the end yeah. with the new uh, 350 car, the, the Acme chassis we got from Stouts. Yep. And, um that's just it's been pretty good ever since that's uh, amazing it was so, tough to lose cameron cameron decided to go off on his own and and concentrate on a small block and spend some more time with his family and i straight up didn't you know have any reason to to think that he shouldn't you know he, right he did need to spend time with his family sure and he does need to spend time that he needs on his sbs car and so with that being said i'm like good luck buddy and at the same time, it left the Acme chassis brand new in a brand new hauler with no one's name on it. And uh, Mike was happy with the battleship. The battleship was doing good. We took it to the track the first two weeks, the fastest car, and only to have, you know, oh, stuff gosh, happen. Yes. And uh, wow. the battleship's gone. Ugh. Man. Resurrected someday? Possibly, but no hurry. Yeah. It can be fixed. It's a hawk chassis. You'd have to go back to Joe, and, you know, we could look at that sometime. But uh, I don't know. I like to buy cars that are nice yeah. and intact. Yeah. <laughs> It'd almost be easier to just get something else than to go that route, although I think it'd make a cool story, the Battleship Resurrection. But so, the new car, the, Bonner, or the Acme chassis there is not the same as the hawk car. It's way more finicky than the Hawk car was. Okay. Uh, the Hawk car had the outboard shocks and stuff on it. Dan Danny set it up that way for a reason. He knows how to do that setup and make those cars fast, and he proved it. And so I'm like, well, what do you want to do with this car? Do the same thing? He goes, no. 
let's see if we can't learn it first before we try something like that. That's something we could try over the winter if we don't have success with it the way it is. So we called Dick Myers. We got some shocks. Um, we put the, you know, the small block motor in it, and we changed a few things, and I mean very few things, and we took it to the track, and it seemed to do okay. And we figured out the weak points and what was suffering and learned it. And every week we go, we learn more and find out that the car reacts to the changes pretty well. Now that okay. we understand the car and know what to do, now the car responds a little bit better to our changes. So we're, we're really enjoying the learning curve with this particular car because with that cantilever front suspension, it's just no joke. And you better have your A game on to run that car because no one's just going to take it and go. You're going to have right. to yeah. do your homework. Yeah, that's the, it is, I'm sure, quite different from what you were used to. Um, and I'm curious, I mean, again, last week, this this past race, um, that it you ran, the car looked markedly better than, you know, what it had been. So um, I'm curious how from your perspective, watching Mike kind of, I mean, we all know that, okay, race cars need different setups, but the driver needs to drive them differently too. Um, your perspective on watching Mike having to sort of adapt a little bit to the differences between the two cars. Well, that's one thing that Mike is just absolutely mind blowing about is the way he can drive a race car Yeah, because he can drive an ill handling race car just as fast as one that handles well. It's crazy. He doesn't like it. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> no like one it does. one bit. No one does. But you know what? He could do it. Yeah. He could drive a freaking dump truck with a bent front end. I'm not kidding you. And uh, he'd find the top speed in it somehow. So the best part about Mike is he is so cool when it comes to uh, coming in. You know, I've seen him get hot under the collar in the past, and generally when he comes in and he's had bad luck out there, you just stay away from him. Yeah. Give him his five minutes that he needs, and then he'll come around and he'll talk to you. So totally respect that part about him. But most generally, in the past few weeks here, stabbing some wins, doing well, Mike just pulls in, he gets out of the car, and we ask him, you know, how's it feel, what's going on, rah, 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 and uh, he can tell you what he, what's going on, what he feels. And Bobby Magner is fantastic with a big block. Him and Mike really got that car dialed in. And, um, again, same thing. The car is reacting to, to subtle changes, and that's key. Um, last week, the Super didn't do too well, and Mike didn't have brakes. Oh, boy. After we've spent, like, ungodly amounts of money on some braking options that didn't quite work, we're going back to the drawing board and have completely stripped every brake off the car. Oh, and we're going to start from scratch. All brand new, different components. And we're going to make another stab at it, at it with uh, with some uh, change in a few things with the braking system as well. Um, so this is a major upgrade to the car that will hopefully be more comfortable to Mike so he can go out there and use the brakes accordingly when he needs them and have them there at the end is the biggest <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, exactly. You can race half the race, and it's it's okay. But after that, you're you're on your own. Yeah. And it's completely different from the 350 car. I'm like, how's the brakes feel in the 350 car? He goes, brakes? I don't even use them. I use them <laughs> when I pull into the pit. 
Wow. He says, other than that, he's pretty much flat foot in that little 22, 350 around the track. And, Amazing. And, and, and it sticks. So wow. We know we got this. We know we got the setup on it. Now it's getting our shock package fine-tuned and torsion bars fine-tuned and ordered those up this week, a few different things to change. And I'm pretty sure I know exactly what we got to do to, to get it faster. Okay. Now I want to go, I want to talk about that for, for a minute because, um, you know, you've gotten very heavily involved, invested in the 350 class, not just as a car owner, but also as a sponsor for the class. So, you know, you, you're kind of an insider and, and someone who really is invested in the class's growth. And so I'm curious because you guys have also gone to New England probably more than anybody else from Oswego um, and competed on their soil against their cars. And obviously, you know, a number of them have been to Oswego to compete on Oswego soil against all of you. And it seems like the Jeffrey battles and even chase lock, um, you know, when he came up the other week for, for classic there, it seems like the new England cars still have a speed advantage over the Oswego cars, though you guys seem to be one of the cars that, and maybe, maybe the car of the Oswego cars that that's getting the closest to them what do you see as being kind of the difference other than obviously years of experience right but is that it is are we just talking about experience or is there something different about the new england cars the new england motors that just gives them that advantage that that the oswego cars still haven't fully implemented or gotten yet I'd have to say it's got to be their experience in the years that they've raced. You know, these guys are top teams that have been doing it for just years and years. For sure. The best part about us was last year when nobody else raced here and we had a chance to go to star and that really helped our 350 package. It gave us that one year advanced learning curve that I see teams in Oswego this year doing for example, Cliffs, one day I walked over there in the pits and I saw the guys. I'm like, how's it going, guys? And uh, they're kind of suffering with a wing. Yeah. I was like, ah, wing day. And they're done that. Um, and I spotted a couple, uh, one thing and I pointed out something to them and I said, you know, it's something we did and you could try it. And I'd do anything to help any of the guys out there. Small block, 350, big blocks, whatever. doesn't matter. Sure. I'm just passionate yeah. about racing. I got passionate about the 350s. When I had to go with Mike Bruce to Star Speedway, and that was an RBI because I was totally hooked on these wing cars. It was exhilarating to see them, and I had to have one. And it wasn't <laughs> just awesome. but a week or two later I ended up with one. We bought that car from Cliffs, and yep. um, we bought it home and started working on it for Cameron. And uh, Cameron's got a lot of time in that car, yeah. a lot of time in that car. And uh, he he put it, you know, where it was, basically. The the, the hot lap that Mikey went out and did, um, 
was in Cameron's car, and I felt bad for Cameron because he had done so much work to car and Dan and stuff and us to change it and get it where it was. And I mean, like, major changes. The car was a slug. Sure. We got her butts handed to us every time we took it to Star, and we took it back to the drawing board. And nobody throws 13 different things at a car at once. You do one. And uh, we're such a loss with this thing. We threw, like, <laughs> a lift at it. <laughs> and all those things happened to play out to be very beneficial. Cameron couldn't make it home to test the car, and Mike got in it and laid down the mind-blowing record lap. was just awesome. Uh, I think Cam had a good chance of doing the same thing. The oh, car for sure. was I'm hooked sure he up, did, yeah. and it was because of the hard work. Um, you can't take nothing about, uh, you know, no credit away from Mikey. He's one of the best drivers out there. And like I told you before, he could drive a dump truck with a bent front end. So it didn't matter what the condition the car was in. Mike Bruce was, you know, if he felt comfortable enough, he was going to push it to the limits like he always does. And that's exactly what he did. And, uh, it was awesome to see that. He actually spun out when he got that record lap and parked it right in front of me and Ralph in turn one. <laughs> and the car was stopped and a few feet from the wall, didn't hit nothing. And he looked me right in the eye and said, I did that on purpose. And we lost it. And we started laughing. It was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know, ruined the new sticker tires, but he got his track record. And that was a good day for RBI. That's awesome. Yeah, that yeah. is really cool. Proud uh, to be a sponsor for the 350s, you know. Um, going to Star last year and getting the welcome that we did from the New England people and Bobby Weber at the track was just mind-blowing. Everyone great guy. You know, offered help and assistance, and we really felt comfortable and welcomed. And the first person I met was Kenny Locke. And he walked into our pit and introduced himself to me and shook my hand and said if I needed anything, and I'll just never forget that. Yeah. I, I want to be that guy. I want people to look at me like a Kenny Locke. He is just the nicest guy there is, and I wish I could be just like him. Well, I got news you know? for you. You are just like him, and people do look at well, you that way. Absolutely. Maybe I don't look at myself that way, but well, that's like I how said, it should I be. really ad admire that guy. Well, Anybody in racing, that's one of the top guys I admire right there. Well, we're uh, we're thankful for Kenny, and we're thankful for you as well. And uh, and and I wanna I wanna get to the part where okay you've you've bought uh you've got the small blocks you've got a couple of 350s uh your garage is full lots of activity and then all of a sudden um there's a big block sitting there now i mean i i knew you were crazy but i didn't even think you were that crazy what in the world possessed you to go out <laughs> And get a big block. How did that? How did that whole thing happen? Because it seemed like that came out of nowhere. I never really thought of before about that before until I got back in and got and took over the the team. You know. Yeah. And um, you know, when you go to the racetrack and you're taking small blocks and 350s and you're there and with everybody and all those big blocks are out there, I couldn't ignore them. Um, you just, you look, and you smell, and you taste, and I look more, and just, you know, those things are amazing, and anybody would want one, but you know as well as I do that obtaining a big block super modified is something you just don't want out and do. They're too expensive. Not for They're, most people. Just, you, you need a team, everything. Yeah. So, I don't know. I used to just tease and say it in front of the guys that someday I'm going to have a big block, someday I'll have a big block, and 
no, you're not. You're crazy. You know, you don't know how much money them things are. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I just, you know, but I never stopped poking fun. And every time I'd mention something about it, the only person that didn't make fun of me or tease me was Mike. Of course not, because he knows as a driver how much he'd love to be in one of those things. So I don't know. Maybe he laid in bed at night like I did and thought about, you know what, if we put our heads together and Mike Bruce is serious about driving a big block, and maybe we could do something together. And so I started kind of pestering him, and uh, we talked about it a little bit, not in front of the guys, because they just, you know, it was, you're out of your mind and you talk about stuff like that. But we whispered a little bit here and there, and pretty soon I was sending them pictures. I said, how about this one? How about this one? <laughs> how about this one? We ended up going to Gosick shop. We looked at his car. Um, we uh, we looked at another car. I can't, not sure exactly which one it was. Inquired about a few, but okay. the Goslin car was talked about, and we went and had a chance to look at it. And this is about six months before we made the purchase. And it was a pretty good number for the car as a roller. And it was all part, but we knew it was a good car. And we just kind of, Mike and myself, and had gone back and forth talking with people. And Mike mostly, is, you know, we ended up getting together with Mr. Goslin. And me and Mike went over there together. And we struck up a deal, and we made him a cash offer, and he accepted it. Oh, wow. And it was way lower than he was originally asking for. And Mr. Goslin was moving from his house because he's building a new house. He had to move. Ah. All he could envision was having to move every all this super stuff on top of his household stuff. It was a lot of stuff. So we lightened the load by taking the car and every single thing in his garage <laughs> minus the three <laughs> engines. And uh, Let us help you with took, that. We took it all home, and we had a big pile of junk in the floor <laughs> in the middle of the shop, and we were happy as could be. Um, we inventoried everything. We stripped the car down to the bare frame, and we took it over to Joe Oxby's, and we dropped it off. And Joe did some updates on the car, and we took it to the powder coats, and Rick's wheels powder coated the car, and we got it back to the shop, and Mike and Robbie the wrench, and they immediately went to work on putting it together. And we were at the shop every single day doing something until it was all together. Um, mostly Mike. Mike wanted to do every nut and bolt, and we just let him. We were just there to assist him and, and give him what he needed, and he put that car together. Like I said, him and Robbie pretty much more than anybody. And four races into his super-modified career, he brings it home in first place what was that like for you i mean I, what what i, what, what, I bet <laughs> i bet it was the most amazing feeling in the world to see that car pull in we we were just would have been happy at this point you know in, in the stage of the game to just bring the car home in one piece but to go out there and lead flag to flag we knew we had a good car and I was so excited for Mike, and Mike was so excited to do it. And, and, you know, all the hard work that he put into the car, that just came back a hundredfold right there on him when he parked it in victory lane. So, yeah, we bladded our eyes out a little bit and uh, I bet. drank some beers after. It was absolutely great. Amazing. Uh, we want to do it again, that's for sure. Um, 
here's the thing with the big blocks. Anybody knows if you get a good car out there in clean air, they're going to be gone. It's going to be tough to pass anybody. I don't yeah. care who they yeah. are. You get those supercars back out there, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and back. The dirty air is not your friend, and those cars just don't respond like if you're the one out there with oh, the yeah. So very difficult to pass. Um, the person that amazes me amazes me the most in the big blocks, of course, is Otto. For some reason, he could start last and finish first. Sure. And chalets his way up around the cars, through the pack, like a professional dancer on a dance floor is the only way I could envision it. And uh, he makes it look so easy. That is the most amazing thing I've ever seen on Oswego Speedway. Yeah, and so when you can get your car and your driver to react as one like that and do that, that's racing at Oswego Speedway. And that's what I can't wait to see more of. Yeah, there's been obviously a number of drivers over the years that have been like that. And, and I think current auto certainly one of them. I think Michael Barnes is another and Jeff Abold is another. Just three of them. DJ Schillick, too, um, you know, seems like. And, you know, um, Michael, to me, is incredible to watch, Michael Barnes. Uh, and the fact that, you know, he goes and wins the Classic. And then, you know, and, and then your Mike, um, you know, double deuce beats him. Uh, and, and leads flag to flag. Um, I mean, it, just incredible. It's an incredible story. And what even more, it, what's even more incredible for me about the story is it doesn't end there because Mike's not your. I mean, and, and look, I know that. Okay, you know, you don't own all the cars. A couple of the cars, you know, it's Mike and whoever, or it's you know Carly. Or I mean, I understand that there's kind of different arrangements for but to me it's all one big group rbi is one big group it's and a big family yeah, and the family. way i look at it is all the cars you know we're in one big family right. so, so i don't care who owns the cars or whatnot me and mike split the big block 50 50 we had to that was just too big of a commitment you know right. but mike owns his own 350 car and he owns robo small block right and uh i own the 350 wing car and i own little robbie the wrenches 04 small block we're gonna get to robbie um, the wrench in a minute but uh, but i want to get want to get because because here's the, the the cool thing for me about this is you know you got mike running a couple different classes he's the first driver to win in all three which is that's to me that's awesome i think that's that's fantastic but i want to talk about robbo for a minute because to me you know robbie he's had you know, obviously some experience, the go-karts, but, but he, he had never done any big car racing, at least that I was aware of. And he gets into this small block and, and, and just SBS, whatever, just goes out there. And again, in about four or five weeks time, he's leading the race and running in the top five as if he'd been doing this. And one of the things that I said to Cam on last week's show that we talked about is, I remember last year when, you know, there was no racing, but everybody was able to test. All these rookies like like Robbo get to go out there and just do laps and laps and laps and laps and laps all by themselves, no pressure, no racing, just, you know, learning and, and getting that feel. And, and I remember I, I said at the end of the season last year, I thought that that was going to make this year's rookie class in all the divisions, 
the strongest it's ever been, and especially in the SBS because it was such a big group. And I think we're seeing that bear out. I loved watching Robbo last week, and I and yeah, he probably used up the car, but you know what? First of all, that's that's racing. That's what racers do. But you know, he'll learn from that and and learn that it, you got to have it at the end. But man, to see his progress and into to hear Mike talk about his progress and be so proud of him and and that sort of thing like that's that's cool um you know i think what what robo's done in a short amount of time i wouldn't be surprised at all to see him get a win before the season's out in that class oh i would i would totally uh wouldn't doubt that at all um here's the thing with robo he listens he listens to his dad yeah Frank. Frank is just fantastic with his boy, and the two of them, that's their car. That's their deal. That's awesome. And they're 100% committed to putting that car in victory lane or trying to. That's what they do. That's who they are. And I basically you have to stand back on the sidelines and watch those two. What what kills me sometimes is seeing Robbo when they suffered with the power steering rack issues a couple, two, three weeks in a row, and and I want to see him do well. You know, yeah, it kills exactly. me to see this kid yeah. suffer. And I was like, please. And so I, I confronted all of them. Let me sponsor this car. I'll throw you a little bit of money. Get a sweet rack or something in that thing. Well, they got their rack system uh, figured out, but they did accept my um, my offer, and we put some JNS paving vinyl on the car. That's awesome. And I'm proud to sponsor that kid. I know he's going to do well. He listens. That's the biggest thing. He's listened to what he's been told and his laps under his belt from the from the go-karts is beneficial for sure and um like i said just going out there and and getting the seat time is the is the biggest thing we're going to experience it with with robbie the wrench he wants to get in the 04 car it's his car i gave it to him after everything that kid's done in the last three years helping build four supers he's earned that car because he knows it inside and out um okay we're gonna have to do the same thing just let them get laps in, you know. Let's let's get to that because here again, you know, the the, the story continues. This is I, I just you guys as a collective group to me are you know part of the heart and soul that that it, that is making a Swiggo Speedway and you know super modified whatever type you want to talk about all of it um, racing great it, it right now and and what what's keeping it going now to see your boy and again i you know when i was out to your place um gosh two years ago already almost um christmas of 19 and i met him um and yep. watched him working like he wasn't just hanging around eating chips he was working he was and i'm just like wow that's pretty cool somebody that young that's that into it and to know how much time and effort he's put in as you said on four cars uh, and and you know just 100 percent committed not again not just you know daddy let me do this daddy let me do that but you know get out of my way dad you know um let me let me go go to town here um yeah. to see him be able to hit the racetrack last friday and run laps in the high 22nd bracket what was that like for you as a dad? Because that had to be in my in my mind. I think I would think it would be a combination of complete <laughs> exhilaration and fear. 
exactly those two things. Um, you know, we told them to go out there and take your time, and, and you, we, we wanted them to do some practice start and stops in the pits. I said, if it takes you 10 times, that's what you're going to do. You know, if you stall the car or yeah. whatever, we want to make sure that you're smooth with this clutch. And, uh, you know, the kid did it like twice, like he was uh, a seasoned driver and took off. And we're like, okay, okay, he's really good, really smooth with the clutch. No issues there. All right, we explained to him, go out, let's do some laps, find your line, just settle in. I don't care if you go 40 miles an hour, just to have fun. So he goes out there and he does a few laps and uh, we hear him, we were watching him and right at the pickup point where you start to get into the throttle, he hits the throttle. And he put it down smoothly right to the board. And he come around, turn four, full throttle, onto the straightaway. And me and Mike Bruce just looked at each other. I said, how do I stop him? He said, you can't stop him now. I was like, oh, my God. And uh, he got off right at the start-finish line. And he banked it into turn one and went around. I was like, oh, my God. That's my little 15-year-old kid out there. And uh, my heart was racing out of my chest. I bet. And uh, he went around. He did lap after lap. He did good. He got about 40, 50 laps and all said and done in all the session. And um, he wants to start a race. I'm like, no, you're going to get some more seat time. Yeah. I know you're anxious. You're 15, but you got to do it dad's way. Um, a couple more Fast Fridays. And if they're successful, we'll see how it goes and what it looks like. But we can, uh, we're thinking about maybe if everything goes good, like I said, we'll get them started here in a few weeks. And maybe we'll get him starting at the tail end of a of a race, and then he can get started. Well, that's a that's awesome. I think that's it's incredible, and and I know you know that he's obviously anxious, and you know it's because he's fifteen, and he thinks, okay, I can run twenty eight, twenty point eight, or twenty point five, whatever. You know, I'm good, man. Just start, but you don't realize how much different racing is than just being out there by yourself when you right. got and he went out there with old worn out tires that's right. all we have you know yeah. everyone's got the same tire deal so oh, talking to Solomon, i was lucky enough to secure some tires for him good um he didn't want to see him run the car with anything but some new rubber right so he hooked us up we got some new rubber for this week and oh, good we got some tire bars and this is where Robbie is going to learn how to be a race car driver. He's going to learn and change his own tires. Here's the deal with tires and me. I'll buy them. After that, that's all I got to do with them. I don't put air in them. I don't put them on a rim. I don't take them off a rim. I don't do any of that stuff. Uh, so that's the thing with the tires. So the guys are glad that I'll buy the tires, but they all know that I'm not touching them. That's awesome. Well, I mean, look, everybody has their thing, right? So that's, um, to me, motors are necessary evils. But, you know, I know people that that's all they do all day is work on motors, and they love it. And it's like, okay, well, you do it then. Um, that's and, a funny thing know. about motors. Well, we had Robbie the Wrench over to Pat Morrison's. This is two years ago when he was 13. And Pat doesn't have any boys. He had girls. And so to see a boy come in the shop, and Pat's wife was there, too. And they were like, oh, my God, a boy. A bo- Hello, boy, how are you? You know, they were just excited we to see this what those kid. look like. And uh, it was pretty cool. Well, we we had an engine on the dyno, and we run a couple poles on it, and we decided we wanted to change the jets in my carburetor. And Robbie said, Dad, can I put those 75s in? I said, yeah, go ahead. And so Pat just kind of looked at me funny, and he looked out of the corner of his eye, and Robbie went to town, bringing the fuel out of the carburetor bowl and uh, changing the jets out. It took him about five, six minutes. 
All the while Pat was talking to us, he couldn't keep his eyes off of Robbie. And he got all done, and Robbie says, all right, Dad, we're ready to make another poll. And Pat says, how old did you say he was? I said, 13. He says, boy, if you wanted to bring that kid over and drop him off, I would totally <laughs> apprentice that kid that if he had interest. <laughs> and uh, it would be a golden opportunity for him. And I've asked him a couple times, that, hey, you want to go over to Pat's? I don't care if you sweep the floor. I said, I'll drive over there and pick you up. I said, it's a golden opportunity if you ever wanted to go and learn. I said, Pat would teach you how to build engines. And uh, he's just not there yet. Yeah. He's more about the driver part than being the engine rebuilder right. man, you know. But as he grows and, and learns and has engine issues in his future, and he'll no doubt be in, inside of one, you know. Sure. Um, maybe not these sealed ones, but you know what I'm saying, an yeah. engine in general. Yeah. But he's going to have to know something, and he'll he'll dig deeper as he gets older and gets into that. But it's a pretty good opportunity for him to – to be where he is and have the knowledge that he has. Not many kids that are 15 years old can have seen what he's seen and been able to do what he's what he's done, you know, at such a young age. So we're proud of him there. And well, just want him to take his time. You know what? Life, life's too short and, yep. and sweet to, to rush things. And I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. So just go with the flow. Go with your gut feeling. Take your time and – Enjoy the ride. Well, That's the most important thing. Exactly. And, again, the opportunity to be a part of um, the community that he is. I mean, I've said it f- since I was a kid. The Oswego Speedway is a family. And, you know, you the generational part of that and, and the history and the exoticness of the Supers and you know, just all of that. I mean, incredible. But the work ethic that kid has, the initiative that kid has, belies his age. And that that's something that you cannot teach to somebody. It, it has to be just second nature to them. It's in their DNA. And um, he's got an amazing future ahead of him, I'm sure, no matter what he decides to do with it, as long as he applies that work ethic and, and applies that initiative and that willingness, the, the knowledge is what, you know, if he just keeps learning and, and hopefully he'll realize at some point, okay, having that knowledge of engines, that that's good for me. The more I know about cars, the more I know about motors, the more independent I can be and the more I can, you know, have a say in, in, in my own performance on and off the track in all ways. And, um, but amazing. I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing story, Rich. You guys are a great bunch of people um, to see the success that you've had and the commitment that you have shown um, to the 350 class and the other divisions as well. Um, is really amazing and, and uh, you know, a- appreciate your support of this show uh, and just look forward to seeing what's ahead for all your guys. Cause I, again, I, I think I, I believe Robbie will win one before the year's out in this, in the, uh, in the SBS car. And um, you know, again, Robbo will, will, will obviously progress at his pace. If he can get some, some races under his belt this year. Great. Um, unfortunately, obviously we're at a point where you got a month and a half before classic. Um, so you kind of look at that and, and, you know, whatever you guys obviously decide to do with that, but, um, he's got a future, I'm sure. So, uh, you know, we might be able to get him in there for the classic. That's, uh, 
that might be like it's a, a big stage. That's a big stage. We'll see how this test goes and and how everything works out. But Classics he's pretty excited about getting started, and it might not be a bad uh, thing to try. You know, yeah. if he's doing well. Maybe we get him started in the classic. Maybe yeah. the week before. It depends. Just depends on how, how it goes and everything. But, For sure. Well, um, you know, again, I, I I appreciate you as friend. Thank you for your support of the show and your support of super modified racing in general. Um, you know, your story and the story of the team, uh, you know, you guys are just so much fun to follow and pay attention to. Um, you know, I haven't, uh, uh, I'm looking forward at some point. I want to talk to Robbo and get him on and, and let him talk about his own racing a little bit. Uh, you yeah, know, no, I'm sure if you call him, he'd be interested in you know, you know done a great job so hopefully we'll get him on a future episode here and and, and uh, wish cameron all the best too i know he's kind of doing his own deal but i just see him the other day he i stopped down to pullins down to ffb race chassis there and yeah. uh him and his guys were thrashing on that car cutting yeah, it up and getting rid of the twisted yeah. up stuff and um today it left so good Dan Denny was down there giving him a hand, and uh, they got it all back together. Good. So Cameron will be back on track this weekend. Absolutely beautiful piece of machinery. That that uh, that paint, the red, and, and the color, just a beautiful car. Yeah, um, no, he's pretty excited about his new sponsor and stuff. And awesome. the car was a bullet the other night. It sure um, was. Yep. Just bad luck, you know. Yep. And he got hurt a little bit, too. Oh, he did. Yeah, he oh, I'm sorry to hear he that. He didn't just walk away from that. It, it kind of rattled his cage and uh, had a headache. For a couple of days, Ooh, I wish he would have went and seen somebody, but yeah, you know, maybe he had with. like minor concussion or something. But took it easy, uh, as easy as, as you can when you're thrashing on a race car. Yeah, but took it easy at home and just relaxed, and he recovered and he's fine. But still, scares you a little bit. You know what I mean? For sure. You don't really. Most people, I guess, just don't think about it, but try to envision the impact in a race car hitting a steel wall. Oh yeah. Um, no doubt. And he was stopped. He got. He said he goes. I was stopped just before the wall, and another car drove in the side of yeah. him and just kept pushing. And he says I could hear that the throttle he wasn't lifting. Oh, like, maybe the throttle hung or something. You know, it's yeah. a race car. You know that yeah. can happen. But he says all the damage was from pretty much getting hit by the other car. Ouch. It's going to happen. You know, yeah. especially in the small blocks. Sure. You know how yep. it's a little bit of a bump and run. Well, Here's a- what I hope about. Robbie and uh, Robbo and any of the other uh, rookies that are out there, you know, everybody knows you, that you're, this, these are the small blocks. You're going to bump and rub a little bit, but race clean, race as clean exactly. as you can. That makes yep. you a way better yep. driver and person in anybody's eye when you can go out there and do your job and do it clean. Do I want to see someone bump and move you out of the way a little bit and get past you? Bet your ass I do. I want to see stuff like that. That's what makes the small blocks a blast to watch. But there's a way to do somebody it. and taking them out. Yeah. That's a different story. There's a way to do you it. I don't want to see that, but Difference definitely want to see a little bumping and rubbing out there. Laying a bumper or, you know, again, rubbing can be racing, but there's a way to do it that there's does not do yeah. cause a wreck or, you know, spin the guy out or whatever. No, um, if you're good and you're going to bump and you do it with finesse and you get around and uh, you let the guy know that you got the better car and, hello, knock, knock, I'm here. I'm going to, I'm not giving up until you give it up. 
That's how I'd look at it. I watch. If I was out there, I'd be doing the same thing. You ain't going to let me by after three, four laps. I'm going to give you a couple of knocks to let you know I'm at the door. And if you're not going to give me any room after that, I'm probably going to have to give you a little, open the door a little bit. Well, and I mean, again. <laughs> Without closing it. Sliding them up out of the, the groove a little bit yeah. is one thing. You know, blasting them and spinning them and crashing them is another. I watched. Uh, and I don't know, like, I don't know if you saw this because unless you were watching the video, uh, watching the, the, the broadcast, I feel like you may have missed it because you're standing at ground level and unless you were right there where it happened. But the move that Danny Kay made at the end of the race when um, when Sokolik was catching him and they came up on, I don't even remember who the lap car was, um, but Danny went to the inside going into three and literally just like dove it in there and then just brushed wheels with the lap car to kind of scoot him out just a little bit um, and, and went by. That was potentially a race saving move for Danny, win saving move. And it was it was hairy to watch, but it was like. It was perfectly done. Like it didn't perfectly wreck the done. Guy. Like you didn't, just said. Yeah, that's he, Danny Kay. It, it was. He's a good driver, ballsy, and his experience but, definitely whoa, shows. Incredible. Um, and he's got a good car. Yeah. But to to rub a guy and go and cut the inside like that and have it so like your your wheels are possibly touching and stuff, you know how much of a risk that is to upset a car and to get away with that smoothly. It just you know he had the finesse and everything you needed to do if that. there were uh, an award for the move of the year uh at at oswego danny k would i feel like would be leading the the standings in that right now because that was just incredibly ballsy but he he got away with it and and he did it you know it was just kind of you know one of those um, you know oh oh wow look i did it you know <laughs> it's like i'm still leading um because i feel like there was that half a second where that could have been a a two-car wreck but he did it beautifully so yeah i agree i mean a little bit of contact here and there um but i've always said it doesn't take any talent to to blast a guy with your bumper um you know and and you know i i love seeing the guys that can you know actually learn to set up a pass and then execute it and um you know, and make it make it look good. I think that's what makes the difference between championship drivers and you know, and uh, and and non championship drivers. And so, um, you know, I agree. Race each other with respect. Race them clean. You know, we've torn up yeah. a lot of equipment. For an owner looking at from the outside looking in, watching the guys race. For me, that's the most yeah. the fun part about yeah. it is just seeing how they race and stuff, and yep. watching it and stuff, and. For the most part, everyone is fantastic with each other, you know. Yeah. And they go out there. Everybody knows everybody. Everyone's yep. a big family. Yep. No one wants to go out there and, and do anything stupid. You know what I'm saying? Well, um, that's a thing. It's racing. You know, it's mistakes being... can be made and and uh, cars can get wrecked. You Ooh. know. I knew that when I signed up. You, oh, of course. You lost cars yeah. and uh, something you never want to talk about, but it, it can happen and. Uh, most generally, these small blocks are pretty easy. You can wreck them pretty good and still get them back the next week. Right. Um, yeah. Worst case scenario is you're going to need a front clip. Right. And Dan was down there, like I said, working on Cameron's car, and I asked him, I said, has Robbie got any clips made up yet? He goes, no, but I got enough steel to build about three of them. I said, well, if you want to get one built and uh, hang it on the wall, I said, I'll buy the first one. I said, because... 
Robbo or Robbie yeah. sooner or later may need one, and I'd rather have it hanging on the wall ready for them than, uh, than not. Because if it wasn't and it took some time or steel shortage, you couldn't get it, you know, someone's going to sit out and suffer. Right. And it's just exactly. too bad. So I said, let's get one built. Yep. And, you know, that's have a good it, idea. Have it ready, ready before you need it. Well, that's exactly right. You can re- you can replace a car, replace parts. You don't have to replace drivers. So that's, uh, you know, thankful. And in, in Mike's case, obviously, with the 350, thankful he was okay. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and that's, you know, again, you don't like to lose a race car, but, uh, the main thing is the safety of the drivers, but man, it's, this has been 350 fun. cars are a lot different, you know, they, they, they are. go a lot oh, faster. Yes. And when you wreck them things, you, you know, it's, it's, it, they're, they're wrecking bad. And, uh, gosh, I remember the, the week one, the battleship was pretty much destroyed all the way around, but you know, we looked at it and we're like, ah, this could be a couple weeks. And we got it back to the shop, and we started, you know, cutting stuff off of it and looking. And we took it right down to Robbie's, down to FFB, and uh, Dan went right to work on it. And within a few days, we are like, ah, we, we can probably pull this off and get it to the track. And right. I'll tell you what, we worked six days nonstop. Amazing. To get that car done. And uh, we took it back to the track. We're like, this thing's going to be a wad. And uh, we took it back to the track, and it turned out to be faster than when we wrecked it. So... That's how it goes. He did a good job. The thing was on rails, and, uh, you know, he got in his wreck. But it's gonna, things like that are going to happen. That's a part of the game. It's not the end of the world. The biggest part is is uh, I was so concerned about Mikey, you know. Absolutely. Watching him yep. and seeing it live. I'm like, you know, yeah. that's my driver in there. Yeah. And for him to walk away was the best feeling in the world. I could have cared less about the car. That's right. Yep. And I finally caught up to Mikey in the holler. It was pretty intense. And uh, I went in and, you know, he had tears in his eyes and I had tears in my eyes. And, and I said, man, you're okay, man. He's like, he just, he's like, Rich, I'm so sorry I wrecked your car. I was like, you stupid fool kid. I don't care anything about that car, you know. Exactly. We got another car, I said. I just tried to make him feel good as best I could. I said, we got another car. And before the, you know, when he ran the battleship and, and Cameron was going to run the 350, the, the Acme chassis, he wouldn't even look at that car. He wouldn't even look at that car. I don't know why. I think he kind of knew deep down inside it was a really good car. and But at that time, it wasn't his. Right. So yeah. Once the once all that settled down and we decided, I actually had that car sold, Tom. I had oh, that wow. car sold for 25000 bucks. Oh, yes, sir. really? We had to break that man's heart because after the battleship was gone, it's like, dude, we, we ain't got a choice. We got to drive this car now. You're going to have to like it. Oh, and, man. Uh, that's what we did. We pulled it out. And I lost wow. the sale of the car. And uh, thank God I had, you know, enough time to call it off. And and that was that's it. You know, oh. these 350 cars just amazed me. And when I went to Star, like I told you, and got bit by the bug. Yeah. And knowing that the season before in Oswego, there was only four cars. And I heard people say, like, oh, they'll never take off. They'll never take off. I knew it would. Well, I was. I, that's what made me decide to, like, I'm not only going to get one of these cars, but if I sponsor or could be lucky enough to sponsor the track um, and get the 350 sponsorship, you know, I just thought it could help. Yeah. And uh, I was right. Basically, it felt like as soon as I got that car from Cliff and started posting about it, I created a little 350 craze, it seemed like. And uh, 
Everybody went and got a 350 car, including the Clefs went back out yeah, and got one. They I know. They got the car they had. Yeah. That's um, all. It was awesome. I love seeing Dave back in, I know yeah. it's 350, but back in the Super. Um, and I'm happy for, for, for uh, Tim because, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, that's another great story. Those, those two guys have been friends since go-karts. They were competitors. They've been friends. Um, you know, and, and uh, I've watched both of them grow into racers, and then eventually Tim – Get out of the seat, put Dave in it, and you know, again, that's been a nice, a, a nice story over the years. It's you know, seeing what the the small block SBS limited whatever class has done for um, you know for Oswego and the, and the opportunities that it has given to people who could never have afforded a big block, and then of course a, a subgroup of that has been quite successful in transitioning to the big block cars. But then you have now this 350 class, and I knew it would grow. I didn't know if it would grow this quickly as it has. Um, but I'm happy to see the enthusiasm because I've said for a while, and, and, and I, I know people hate hearing me say this, but, I mean, I you know, it's kind of the truth whether you want to hear it or not. And I always say what I think, and, and I, I, the big block class to me is at a real serious crossroad and 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 i don't know you know i don't know where it goes from here um but to me i feel like the 350 class is what could very well be the future of the oswego speedway and i'm again i love the big blocks i want to see the big blocks grow i think there needs to be some serious cost reduction and i don't know the answer to it but um i will just say that i i think the 350 class the timing for it was perfect and it's a it's it's a step out of the uh the the sbs class that is achievable it it's it's an affordable step um, for at least a number of people. And so, you know, I think that what you've done is to, to light that fire a little bit. And I think people seeing that, you know, here are these guys, well, they've got all three. I mean, um, you know, maybe that, that gives some people some, some ideas and, and, uh, you know, I just think it's great. I think I appreciate your support of that class and and uh, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. The nicest people. Yeah, they gave me a chance because a they were approachable. For sure. Very nice yep. people. I approached them. I just wanted to pet their car. I was so fascinated <laughs> by it. I love the Ghost. It's an amazing car. It it's is. It's the twin to our car now. Um, but Eric Sorrell let me put JNS paving on the side of Barnsley's car, and I was blown away, just excited to be a part of a big block. Right. Just a tiny little part, you know? I, I gave him some money, and he let me put the, the sticker on there, and that was for the 19 Classic. Well, yeah. we didn't race last year. They didn't take the sticker off. And uh, this spring, Eric called me up. He needed a little paving work done down there. He knows I'm booked and everything, but I slipped that man in, his little paving job, and we put a fresh JNS paving vinyl on Barnsley's car. And, you know, 
it's it's just cool. It's a good relationship. Absolutely. It's good for him. It's good for us. It's good yep. for the Speedway. Yep. I want to see everybody flourish out there. I can't own oh, all I do the too. time. You know, I wish I could. I wish yeah. I could have a, all kinds of more cars than I have now. Um, but I'm just going to stick to what I got and concentrate on our, our package that we have. I do got a little some something in the future, you know, after this asphalt is all done after classic um there's super dirt week and you know Uh-oh. how crazy super dirt week is and how it takes over the Uh-oh. speedway and the town and it makes our racing look like nothing compared to what they throw out there for it so i'll make a little announcement <laughs> i bought mike bruce uh, a car to run in super dirt week oh, there it is the exclusive dirt modified breaking news i don't news. have an engine for it yet it's got an engine in it that i can't use so that one's for sale but it's not really a secret um super dirt week is huge mike has expressed interest in driving and uh, you know a car like that in the future and i don't know i saw a car with an opportunity and i took advantage of it so it's just something that's going to be on the back burner i'm not even taking it to the shop it'll probably never see that shop um it'll be in another shop i got enough people to where i can hide it and and do my business with it where it doesn't interfere with any part of our normal asphalt racing program and that is like the biggest key is to keep this completely separate and uh when the time comes then you know we can take a better look at it and even if it doesn't happen this year at super dirt week it could be set up and ready where it's white for next year if possible wow it's all in the first stages but it, it's it's something it's exciting if you ever watch these things you know as well as i do they're just they're insane. And, oh, they are. Uh, of course. See, and, you know, Mikey getting one of these things and give it a try, I think he could do really well in it. Incredible. Okay, breaking news. <laughs> Rich owns a dirt car. Look out. Uh, wow, that's that's awesome. And, I, and you're right. I think Mike is the perfect guy to take that step. Um, and, I mean, he did a little of it at Brewerton, of course. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, that's uh, – my goodness, I love that. I love hearing that. Uh, well, we appreciate you kind of letting us in you on know, that. You can't, once the season's over, I'm itching to do something. My wheels are always spinning, so let's just keep spinning them on dirt, I guess, for a little bit. Sure, why not? I mean, See that's, uh, that's that's great, uh, man. Well, and, uh, Eric Howell, he's going to be driving the 68 uh, Camaro Superstock. That he's purchasing off of me and giving him some time and letting him do what he wants with the car. And he's got it tweaked up and ready to go. And uh, he's pretty excited about running with these uh, the old timers or these cars that are coming this weekend to run. That's why the oh, the, uh, the, they the, got this going. Okay. But it'll be cool to see my Camaro out there and hopefully he can do well and have some fun with it. It's it's always cool to have a car that sits in the barn all the time and does nothing to actually make it to the racetrack and make an appearance. Uh, win, lose, or draw, I'd just be happy to see it out there, you know. <laughs> oh, man. You've got a car in every class. That's incredible. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, this has been a blast. Uh, great to to catch up with you and, and, and go kind of get, you know, a little bit more of your background. I, I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this show are going to be really fascinated, uh, you know, because, again, you see people come into the division and you may know them, but you don't always know the complete history. You don't know how things, you know, all came together and what all the, the background is. And that's I, I love 
more than anything else about doing these interviews is just, you know, kind of the behind the scenes. How did this happen? Why did this happen? What were you thinking? Um, and uh, you've had several of those moments. What were you thinking? And uh, now you got a dirt modified to go with uh, all the asphalt stuff. So, I know. Mike Bruce texts me. He goes, I'm going to take you to race car owner rehab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there needs to be a... I, I was going to say Betty Ford Clinic, but half our audience is probably too young to even know what that is. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there needs to be a rehab for race car owners. And, uh, you know, maybe you could start that when you're all done with race cars. You can sell them all with the money. You can start the rehab center and make yourself the first patient. Um, but, uh, no, seriously, thank you for, for doing this. Thank you for taking the time. It's been a blast. Uh, great to know that, uh, Janice paving is doing well. Um, and, um, and, and you, you know, you, you've, you've survived, uh, the last year has obviously been a challenge for all of us. Great to know that uh, things are well on that front and thanks for all that you do for motorsports and specifically, obviously the supers and, and Oswego and, and all of, all of that. And, uh, good luck the rest of the way with everything that you guys are involved in. Look forward hopefully to see him Mike back in victory lane again and you know love to see uh Robbo uh get get a win or two and 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 just great to see your kid out there getting some laps I'm sure that's amazing for him and and uh again that's you know you guys are the epitome of what uh short track racing is supposed to be the way that you approach it the the the, the way that you work hard the way that you never quit the way that, um, you know, you just always find the way to go forward. Um, you know, that's what short track racing has always been about. And uh, so really, really excited to see where uh, where you guys go from here and, and uh, what the rest of the season is like for you. From this part, for you know, basically from this part of the season for, forward, for me, I feel like it's going to be a little bit easier. It's it's the beginning. And it's yeah. getting, especially with yeah. the big block. Yep. Getting it dialed in, getting it figured out. Yep. But well, um, you we're know. getting it. We're getting it dialed in, and we're getting it there. And I'm pretty sure, you know, Mike, it's a good starting spot. He should do really well in either of the two cars that he drives. And same with Robbo. He's got oh, a yeah. good piece, and you know, them guys are not going to stop thrashing on that car and making sure that it's 100. percent And gosh, last weekend was fantastic. We didn't take any wrecked race cars home, and we didn't have a whole lot to do. But you know. Clean them up and, and go over a few things. Yeah. Um, the big block's a little more. There's always homework to do on that. That's sure. like he's finding out what kind of a commitment it is. Yeah. You know. Well. But that's what he signed up for, and exactly. that's what is he's passionate about it. Um, awesome. And thank God uh, Carly, his girlfriend, is on the same page. She's amazing. She Carly's great. Lets this man run with his dreams, yep. and she's behind him. And I I, we're, I give her credit for that because, you know, it does take its toll. It's taken sure its toll does. on my own relationship at times, the amount of time that I spend at the shop. But Kim understands that's what we do, and so she's pretty much on board. And she's really enjoying going to the races now. That's she great. She hangs out with the other girls, and, you know, they have their time together, and everyone's got a little job to do. And even the kids go and they help set up tents and pack up and and all that stuff. It's a great family atmosphere. It's the best place I could ever have my kids. Absolutely. Like with me. Yeah, and, I will uh, agree with go, that. Uh, you know, to start last year, it was like people go camping and fishing and stuff like that with their kids. We go to the racetrack and that's our vacation, <laughs> and and they loved it. Yeah. You know, we took them to Bentleys. We took them to the beach. We oh, did stuff for them besides just racing while we we're out of town. 
So it's a great opportunity if you can do it, you know. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's uh, and 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 again, just uh, great skills that uh, the boy is learning, um, and uh, you know, work ethic and like we talked about. So uh, look forward to seeing what's up uh, the rest of the season for you guys, and uh, glad to see the business is doing well. Thanks for taking some time with us on the groove, and thanks for your support of the show. We really do appreciate it, my friend. That is Rich Worth. We are going to step aside a moment and be back with Camden Proud on the groove after this. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. Welcome back to Inside Group. Continue with episode 77. And we go from a really fun and entertaining interview with Rich Worth. Um, I hope you all enjoyed that. That was a blast. Uh, and we get to talk now to... I think this is the first time Cam has been on two shows in a row in like forever. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to see some consistency, Cam. Uh, definitely happy to be talking to you. And um, we'll uh, we'll get through each of the races from last week and have some conversation. You obviously weren't where you wanted to be. You were not on the racetrack. So, you got to uh, kind of go back to the PR roots a little bit, did some really nice social media stuff throughout the uh, the day and the next day, um, and uh, saw some great racing. Let's start with the um, 350 race uh, or races. Had um, a, pair of, a pair of races, I think, right? Uh, and, um, yep. you know, it's interesting because in the first race, um, it was, you know, I got the distinct feeling that Tyler Thompson was going to be the star of the night. Um, and it's funny how it played out, um, from the first to the second race and Tyler ends up winning, then ends up getting disqualified for being 20, 19 pounds light, which is a lot of weight. That's That was weird for me. Yeah, um, I'm not sure what happened there. Um, I know the car was running really well. And, yeah. Um, it was fun to watch and obviously really impressive and only his first and second starts. I mean, that that was it. That yeah. Was his first weekend in the car. Wins the heat race. Obviously, the feature gets rained out, and then he's out there and uh, drives from, I believe, ninth to fifth in the first feature. And, yeah. And uh, when he was coming up in the second feature, passing everybody, they, they looked like they were tied to a tree. So, uh it was uh, impressive, but, um, you know, it's too bad it ended that way. I think it would have been a cool story to write and um, some, some nice publicity for the track. And um, I, I don't know how you end up 20 pounds light, but um, it, it's too bad they did. Yeah, that was definitely, um, for me, that was a bit of a head scratcher. I, uh, um, I couldn't really figure that out and uh, not sure why. Um, why it happened, but, uh, it, again, it was a shame, but of course, uh, it ended up being a positive thing for, um, Mike Bruce to be able to go and, uh, 
you know, pick up a win. And, and you know, again, we, we just talked to Rich, and I know you'll hear it uh, when you listen back to the show once it's posted. But, um, you know, we just spent a lot of time talking to Rich and, and obviously talked a lot about Mike and, and uh, what he's been able to do and how far he's come and the maturity and all of that. And uh, to be able to say that you were the first guy, first driver to win in all three divisions, I mean, that's a pretty – it's a pretty amazing stat when you think about it. It's pretty wild, and it's one of those stats, obviously, that nobody can ever duplicate again. So um, neat for Mike, and I'm really happy for those guys and, and him especially. You know, they deserve it. They work as hard as anybody. And um, after the season he's had, it's nice to see it turn around in the way it has. And, yeah. Um, cool to see the sweep, and now we just got to get the SBS, the 350, and the Super out there on the same night so he can drive all three. Uh, yeah, well, I think there's uh, there's some talk of that, uh, and it was it was interesting to see, um, you know, obviously see Mike get the win um, and to win both races, um, you know, and and, and just uh, just a, a nice um, nice way to, to to kind of round out the night, um, you know, and in. You know, in, in both races, I felt like, I mean, if you look at, um, you know, Mike's the, the win, Dalton Doyle finished second, Dave Cliff third, um, Harris was fourth, this is the nightcap, um, and Barry Kingsley was fifth. It was neat to see Barry win his heat race, first win I think that he's had um, in that division. Fun to see that, and interesting, again, with, with, uh, Tyler Thompson and Craig Harris in that Harris car is a newer car, and yet Thompson seems to be faster. So, um, right, you know, it's it's just been interesting. I think maybe they're still sorting Craig's car out a little bit, but this, you know, it was neat to see Kyle Perry run well at, at times. Um, yeah, you know, Kaylee Spaulding's definitely starting to improve. Um, you know, so this is a division that I feel like has a lot of promise, and once we get Dave Cliff and you know, and Harris and, and a couple of the other guys running a little bit better, um, you know, th- there's going to be some great racing in this class. But certainly, uh, you know, uh, Mike, after having that that car destroyed early in the year in the 350 class, to come back out with this car and sort it and get it the way it needs to be. I mean, this is, in more ways than one, a stout car. Uh, and, uh, you know, and it's a car that... Um, you know, that he now is starting to get used to and uh, could be interesting if he keeps uh, keeps driving this thing. Could be interesting to see um, how he does the rest of the year. Well, he's taken the point lead by a few points. Yeah. Now, so um, crazy. I'm sure he'll keep driving it. And um, another thing I took away from last weekend was that we had 14 cars. Yes. And every single one of them were Oswego cars. It was There was nobody from New England. So That's correct. those are all local guys, which was great to see. And um, the racing's getting good. Um, yep, it was nice to see Kyle up front. Dave Cliff ran second the first he race did. and then yep. had things go south and ended up podiuming in the in the second race, and that's his first podium in the division. Barry gets his first heat win. Kelly was well on her way to a heat win and then had some motor problems, which was too bad. But um, a lot of little fun tidbits from, from that class last weekend, and uh, it, it's starting to get really enjoyable to watch these guys battle it out. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I've got to believe that there's more 350s to come. And, you know, I think next year, if things keep going the way they are, I could easily see 20 cars 
local cars um, in the 350 class. And if you get to that point, that's, you know, you're, you're now you mix in a handful of New England guys now and then. You got a, you know, 24, 25 car field. It's a good field. Um, and, of course, um, you know, it was uh, it was uh, Mike Bruce winning the first feature, Kyle Perry second, Dalton Doyle third, Tyler Thompson fourth, Harris fifth. Uh, good to see John Tesserero get a sixth place, Barry Kingsley, Ralph Clark, Kelly Spaulding, Vern Lefebvre, Dave Clifton, Kenny, and Tom McLeod in the 32 car uh, running out the field there. So um, nice sweep for Mike Bruce, good runs for a lot of the other drivers. It's it's good to see the progress some of them are making for sure. Um, and so then um, you look at the um, SBS division. Now, this is the class where I feel like there were a number of stories to talk about from this division on Saturday night. Um, and of course, it ended with Dan Kapazinski winning again. And Danny Kay, that group, that team is just, they're dialed in. I mean, that's, um, I don't know if you saw that move that he put on. Um, I don't even remember who the lap car was, but <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, that was one of those holy crap moves that, you know, could have wrecked both cars. But Danny went in there and he did it the right way. And, you know, yeah, they brushed wheels. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that was a ballsy move and he got away with it. <laughs> well, I was sitting next to Joe in, in the booth at that point, and I was watching it on the monitor, and um, I saw him going into three, and I said, oh, boy, what's he going to do here? Because he wanted to, I think, go around the 66, but the 66 was, yeah, came from right. the track, the so star, yeah. he ducked back underneath them, and it was the right move. I think it might have saved him his race, because if the 66 took him out and he got up in the marbles, Josh was there, man, yep. so... Um, he made, yeah, gutsy move, a ballsy move, but it worked out for him. It sure did. Yeah, great to see the success they're having. Danny uh, doing a great job behind the wheel, and uh, and I know the Tony White race was one he wanted bad, so uh, great to yep. see him get that win. Um, but I feel like the first next story, or the next story I want to get to is Josh Sokolik. This kid has done, he's doing everything but winning, and I feel like he gets a little closer every week. And it's interesting because I had somehow missed the part about him having a new car um, until I was watching the race uh, with my brother Saturday night, um, getting ready for his wedding the next day. And um, Josh ended up uh, and, and, and he said, well, that's a new car. And I, I, I said, OK, um, what's the background? Do you know what the background is on that car? He said it's a new car. I don't believe it is. It's a new body on the same car he had ah, already. But, okay. Um, I think there was some confusion on it because Roy and Joe had announced that it was a new car. And then oh. John Sokolik, Josh's dad, texted them and said, no, no, it's it's the same car, a different body. So, gotcha. Love uh, the I new think look. That's the case. Love the new look. Um, really sharp car and uh, like the fire suit. Um, you know, Josh is doing a great job right now, and, and you got to believe that his time is coming really quick. Um, I mean, again, it could have been Saturday night were it not for that move that Danny made with uh, the 66 there to uh, ensure that he got by him before something could happen. Yeah, exactly. It was nice to see Josh hunt him down and, and make it exciting, you know. Yeah. I mean, six second-place finishes, 11 top fives now. I mean, that's uh, – 
it's about as close as it gets. So he's he's certainly earned his keep, and uh, I'm, I'm sick of him finishing second. I'd really <laughs> like to see the kid get a win. Well, he's probably uh, sick of finishing second, too. I'd really like to be first. Well, I feel his pain. So, I'm really hoping they can close the deal here this season and, I'm and sure get the will. win. And, um, and and Danny was even saying that, you know, he was saying how much he likes Josh and he's going to win one of these soon. And yeah, um, really cool. Um, both of those guys gave great interviews, um, class acts, both of them. So uh, I really enjoyed that race. And um there's a story about the, the third place finisher also, of course. So I was going to say the next story is uh, Noah Ratcliffe, who finished in third. And, and I've got to get um, got to get Noah on a show here because uh, I, I want to know more about him and his background and let him talk about his progress. Um, that kid has been incredible. Uh, yeah. You know, and 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 we'll get to the, the one who finished behind him in a minute. But um, who's also been incredible to me as a start to the season. But Noah, man, he just he looks like he's been doing this for 10 years. And um, I'm I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are as, you know, somebody who's driven in that class. I mean, it's not like you just sort of, oh, yeah, let's do an SBS car and then show up, start running in the top five. I mean, Noah's really doing a great job. Yes, I'm super, super impressed. And. Like I said before, I think last week I was telling you that it's him and his brother Nate. They yeah. do all the work on the car. Uh, I think that's where credits do almost more than anything, maybe even more so in the, than the driving because races are won in the shop, and he has that knowledge to work on the car and then go out, apply what he did in the shop to his driving style. And I think for somebody that's 16 years old, to have his knowledge and, and mindset is just fantastic. Um, and it's one thing to go out and go fast and run with the pack, but – to lose a few spots on a restart and drive under guys, Brad Haynes, Robbie Bruce, make those yeah. passes and fight your way back up to a podium position. He's fun to watch. I he mean, is. the kid's just doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, he is. Um, and, and, again, looking forward, hopefully he'll uh, agree to, 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 to an interview. We'd like to have him on a future show. And, the, the, the I mean, what do you say about Robbie Bruce? Oh, Robbo, um, you know, again, uh, we talked a lot about him um, with – uh, with Rich, but um, you know Robbie, he he had some bad luck earlier in the in the year and um, some power steering issues and whatever. But boy, they've got that car on rails right now, and to see him all of a sudden come out and take the lead and run for the lead and look like somebody who could win that race um, again, I think this is a young man that we're probably going to see in victory lane before the season's out. He did an incredible job. I think he used his stuff up maybe a little too early, but oh my gosh, was he fun to watch for a while. He's reminding me very much of his brother. He's yeah. Man. They, they yeah. Both are both those Bruce boys. It's incredible. You, um, I knew when he got in that car, he'd do a good job. There was no doubt in my mind. And, um, I'll tell you what, Griffin Miller was wheeling the heck out of his car too. Fifth place. And, yep. Um, just, slid her sideways one lap there and, and left the hole for Robbie and he took advantage. Danny took advantage, but man, those few laps between Griffin, Robbie and Danny were really fun to watch when they were battling yeah. out. And um, unfortunately Griffin ended up getting together with a lap car and he had to go all the way to the tail end and then back up to fifth, which was also good. But um, I'm really happy for Robbie because like you said, he had some struggles and He's proven that he belongs. He's not just running top five. Same thing. He's, he's up there mixing it up, and it's yep. fun to see. 
for sure. Um, and then, uh, I mean, just look through the rest of the field. Brad Haynes, sixth place. Dennis Rupert, nice run for seven. Derek Hilton in the 66, eighth. Good run for him. A.J. Larkin, I think probably his best finish yet, ninth. Yep. Josh Wallace, top ten. Good for Josh. Uh, Russ Bartlett, Mark Denny. And then you get back to some guys that were involved in, a, in that first lap pileup that – was really a shame because, um, oh, gosh, I mean, what some of these guys might have done in that race, uh, you know, uh, Brian Haynes, uh, or Greg O'Connor, Brian Haynes, Joey DeStevens, Andrew Shartner was the fast time trialer and uh, finished second in the heat to Sokolik, um, and Cameron Rowe, who just really got blasted um, and a lot of damage and some minor injuries, but uh, he's good now. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they say he'll be back ready to go on Saturday. Um, so uh, look forward to that. That's great. Yeah, I'm glad they got that fixed. Beautiful race car. And um, that, was, uh, that was a bad one. Greg and Andrew just got together and went up into the wall and into the foam pretty hard and those guys, uh, they they piled in something yeah, fierce. There's a lot of did. a lot of heavy contact, so um, it was a shame. I think I think what is that six or seven cars we lost, and um, Danny thought he'd be starting in Scriba in twelfth, and, and then he ends up in fifth, and yeah, and next thing you know, the twenty three is back in victory lane. But um, hopefully, we don't see that in the twin twenties this week. And both races are a bit more clean, and we can watch all those guys also battle it out with everybody else we just talked about because this class is. Again, I, I enjoy watching the SBS and the 350s just as much, if not more, than oh, the Super. Oh, of course. It's just been a blast this year. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this class has really been, and not to detract from the 350s at all, because I love those, and I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm really excited about their future. But just, uh, you know, in, in terms of the, the racing and the excitement, this SBS class to me is just incredible. I mean, the 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 rookies are really factors in in you know in the in the podium, and and running for you know top threes. I mean, it's incredible to watch. Uh, and um, again, car counts have been pretty good. And you know, like, even what you lack in actual cars, you make up for in competition and quality and so hopefully um all these guys greg brian joey andrew and cameron will all be back uh this weekend i don't i uh, haven't had a chance to reach out to them um but uh i know andrew and brian sobis are splitting time in the 18 but hopefully that right. car would be back with one of the other behind the wheel um and uh the rest would be back as well um because again this has been a this has been a blast to watch this class uh you know and uh that was kind of a shame because I think that race would have been a real barn burner had some of those drivers not, uh, you know, not gone out. And I really don't know what happened there. You watch the replay and you can't really tell. It just seems no, like, you know, it seems like maybe a racing deal. The two of them just got together. Those are two guys that don't very often make mistakes and they don't crash. Nope. And Correct. so, yeah. you yep. know. It's it's just one of those things where you know eventually your numbers up and I guess that night it was their number that was up so um, good run for uh, all those guys and that the the Tony White Memorial uh, big win for Danny and uh, the, uh, the the Flack team and of course then we get to the supers and I'll be honest with you I I mean. To me, there was one star in this race, and I take nothing away from Mikey Barnes for getting the win. Um, you know, but but honestly, for me, 
Lulave Jr., Little Dog, was the absolute star of the show, and were it not for Little Dog, that race would have been extremely boring because Mike Barnes had everybody else covered except for, um, you know, LeVay, and he had him covered as well, but not by much. Uh, Louis really put on a great show. That was his best drive ever, and and I really think that, uh, again, I think Louis earns the star of the show award for that one. Oh, I would absolutely agree with you. And I'll tell you what, if I think he won the race to turn one, he would have won the race. Yeah, he may have. Himself, yeah. You know, um, he was he was just as good as Barnes. I think, man, it was just not, not the greatest race, to be honest. And they just, uh, they got not spread out, but so even and right behind each other in dirty air and nobody could really do anything. Yeah. And the only one that passed a lot of cars was Schulich. Bellinger passed a few cars early on, but um, it, it wasn't an exciting race. Um, but I was just thrilled for, for Louie. That, that was so cool to see him get his first podium and, I agree. um, very well deserved 16, one in, in time trials, you know, he's been hidden on things over the last few years and really been the most improved driver over the last few years and very, very well deserved. I was thrilled for those guys. Yeah, it was great. It was great to watch. And you, and you, you know, Louie stayed close enough where it made the race interesting because you knew that if Mike made a mistake, you know, Louis could be there, and uh, that was just a that was a great run for for Lulavay Jr. Uh, and um, you know, again, hopefully we can get him on the show as well uh, on a future uh, episode here. But uh, Mikey getting the win, Lulavay second, uh, Brandon Bellinger, nice job for third, Jeff Abold yep. fourth, and uh, Dave Schillick fifth. And I feel like all three of these drivers, in slightly different degrees really deserve those finishes because all of them have had bad luck on and off uh, during this season. They have. Yeah. It was a rough week for Abel a couple of weeks ago. I thought on his way to a win and yeah, and got caught up in that whole mess. So uh, it was nice to see him get a good finish and uh, nice to see Brandon get a good finish. Also, I, sure. I was, I was really interested to, to watch the O2 at the beginning because he was really picking off a lot of cars. And, um, and then next thing, you know, like I said, the race just kind of, almost stalled out and everybody kind of settled in and, and they were just all really even. So nobody made any really exciting moves in the later stages of the race. But like you said, if Michael made a mistake, both the 83 and the 02 were right there to capitalize on it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, that was the top five. Danny Connors finished sixth, Tyler Thompson, seventh, Joe Gozik eighth. And um, again, was that his Hawk or is he, was he still running his older car? That was his first time with the Hawk. That's what year. I thought. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pencil him in for an eighth. First time back with the Hawk. Uh, watch for big things. He'll he'll sneak one in before Classic. You watch. Joe, Joe yeah, has he a, probably will. He just yep. has a way. Um, Tim Snyder, ninth. And uh, Dave Danzer um, rounded out the top ten. Good to see Dave back. Joey Payne, 11th. Allison Slode. Mike Bruce. Otto Sinnerly. Uh, Max McLaughlin. Hella Tulip. Johnny Payne. Jerry Curran rounded out the starting lineup, and then you had Jack Patrick and uh, Big Dog Louis Senior that did not start the feature. Not sure. Do you have information on either of those two? I know it's engine related for both of them. I think Jack broke oh, okay. Roger arm, and I actually, you know what? I think Louis did too. So. Oh wow! Okay, interesting. So uh, neither one of them could start. Uh, hopefully, better luck in the future for them. Uh, heat wins to Shutu, uh, Brandon Bellinger, and Barnsey. Um, time trials fastest time trialer Tyler Thompson. Shocking nut. Uh, Bellinger second, Sidderley, Schillick, and Abold 
rounding out the top five. Um, hard Charger Award to Shoe 2, and uh, Little Dog got the Lighthouse Lanes Up-and-Comer Award to round out the night. Um, so now we get into a part of the season. I mean, when I look at this next few weeks, I mean, you've got um, on July the 10th, uh, let's see, we got double super modified and double, that's this coming week, that's that's uh, this coming Saturday. Um, CME Electrical Supply, double super modified features, plus double Pathfinder Bank SBS features. Um, and then, uh, so you've got the Summer Championship 50 for the Supers and the remaining 35 that was rained out on the 19th of June. And... Um, then you've got coming up this month, Mr. Supermodified and King of Wings. That's <laughs> as big a month of supermodified racing at the Oswego Speedway as I think we've ever had in its 70 year history. Probably. Yeah. I can't think of a time that we've had more big shows right in a row like that. And just supermodified racing in general, summer championship, Mr. Supermodified, High Miler, King of Wings. I mean, what a back to back couple of weeks for the wing guys. Yeah. No kidding. It's and it's incredible because uh you know again you you can't let up. I mean um you know you you've you've got the extra feature in the month with the rain out um and uh you, you know you got the 50 and you got Mr. Super and you got King of Wings. I mean it's just this is a um is a huge month of racing and it's hard to believe that when we when we finish up at the end of the month, we have about four weeks left, and then we do a classic all over again. <laughs> That's the craziest part about all of it is two classics. I don't think yeah. I'll ever get over that. You know, it's uh, it's been fantastic this year to go to the track every weekend with the mindset that every event is a is a, is a big event. It's a special event. There are no yeah. more weekly shows. It's incredible. Yeah, um, you know, just uh, an amazing. Uh, amazing season so far, and uh, we've torn up a lot of equipment. Uh, so hopefully there are some drivers. Obviously, I know Sharky finally, Billy finally fired up the 59. Um, hopefully he'll get out uh, for this weekend. And then we got Keith Champagne coming back. Um, they've done a lot of work to the 55 after uh, his first time, uh, which was week two, I think, when he got in that first big crash there. Um, right. And uh, so he'll be back. And, you know, hopefully we get some of the other guys back as well. Um, I mean, I, I, I still think we could have a night where we'd have 24, 25 cars. And, again, not the equivalent over the difference between 20 and 25, but it's just nice to see everybody who can race be able to and not have so much uh, torn-up equipment. I'd love to see – I don't know what uh, the plans are for the lock team at this point but i'd love to see ryan be able to get back and run a couple of races before uh before classic that car is almost fixed um, good so i think they'll be back but yeah like you said i mean i think there's potential for 30 cars on the right night it's just it always seems to be this way you have stuff happen whether it's yeah. crashes mechanical problems <laughs> border closures well, <laughs> you know too. it's just yeah. one of those deals that. where the cars are there they really, truly are, but it just for whatever reason, the circumstances haven't worked out to, to get the numbers we've been looking for. But um, hopefully we have a little bit better of a couple of races this weekend. It's not to say the racing's bad this year. It wasn't ideal last weekend, but 
um, hopefully a better show this week with the 50 and the 35 lapper. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and we've got uh, Mike Muldoon, who is uh, Michael, who is is uh, I think planning to return soon as well. So this week, yeah, this yeah. week. Okay, so there you go. So uh, you know, again, I, we could see uh, definitely an increase in the numbers, and if we can just uh, have a few clean nights of racing where we don't tear up a lot of equipment um this could be a nice run in july and a a lot of fun to see um you know who wins these races because i feel like the competition is definitely stout um and again you know so much of it is starting position i know that frustrates a lot of people including me um (laughs) you know we wish it was different but the reality is that that's how it is that the you know if you're if you're in front, you got clean air. If you're not in front and you're running in traffic, you got dirty air, and it's just the arrow makes it just very, very difficult to um, to pass a lot of cars. Uh, you really got to be – you got to have just the right setup to be able to do it. We saw some of it last week, but not as much as we would have liked, obviously. Um, right. But, you know, again, um, I think there are a number of guys we can see in victory lane over the next month if, uh, if only they can just uh, get the right brakes. And uh, so – it should be a lot of fun. And um, now, when are you? Are you? Do you have any idea yet on uh, your situation when you might be back? Well, uh, we're making progress. We got the front axle back in the car. We just picked up the rear end yesterday. Good. The motor's back in the car. Um, maybe an outside chance for next weekend. If not, okay. it's going to be August seventh. We just really don't. We want to run the King of Wings, but we don't feel like it's the right thing to do after all we've been through to come back and yeah. strap a win on and have that be the first thing we do after destroying the car, you know? Yeah, I think that's uh, it's probably a good idea at this point um, to, um, you know, to, to just take your time. You really want to obviously have uh, the opportunity to have some good track time and get a few races in, couple anyway, before the Classic again and get the car back the right. way it needs to be, so... Um, do we know about Doug Didero at this point? What are you hearing about Doug? I know he doesn't run a lot anyway, but you'd think, uh, if, uh, the car was ready, uh, you'd think you'd see him a little bit this month with the bigger shows. Yeah. He's not coming this month. Unfortunately, the car is really? not going to be done. Oh, wow. Um, so he won't be here for Mr. Super, but the good news is I think he's running all of the races in August or two out of the three okay. on the classic. Good. That's Kind of hearsay, but um, I talked to him a lot, and I know he's not, you know, he's not done. That wasn't it for him, so he'll he'll Good. be back, and they're fixing the car, and certainly a couple races in August, and then the classic. Super, that's awesome. Um, do and what about the forty-one car? Do we see more of Russell Wood? I think you will, but more so on Isma right now. Okay, um, I think I think John wants to uh, try and focus on the wing stuff a little bit. They went out to an ad knock and. And he had a good time racing with Russ, and uh, maybe we'll see Russ for the Classic later this year, I hope. I would hope so, for sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously I hope that um, we'll get Eric Iosu back a little bit before the Classic. I know that uh, they want to do some ISMA shows as well, but hopefully we'll see him again a time or two before uh, Classic comes up. Yeah, I sure hope so. And uh, one guy I know we are going to see that was kind of a surprise to me, I don't know if it's public yet. It is now. Sorry. <laughs> Tyler Schulich's going to run the, the Bobby Bond car, the 25, the extreme hey, car. So, there we um, go. That's that's some good news. Uh, I think maybe for 10000 to win. Um, actually, Matt Madison, he posted a picture of it on his Snapchat, and 
I said, who's that in the car? And he said, Tyler Schulich. I said, oh, when's he going to race? And he said, hopefully the next few weeks they were looking at 10 grand to win. So All right. that's great news. And um, I think Bobby Bond will be out later in the year, too. So there's I a couple so. more cars for yeah. us. There we go. So uh, we'll give Matt Madison the credit for that exclusive. Uh, but we we did break the news. And uh, you won't have heard this yet unless you heard it somewhere through the grapevine. But uh, uh, yet another car in Rich Worth's possession for Mikey Bruce to drive. And it's a dirt modified for Super Dirt Week. <laughs> All I can do is laugh. Not that I'm not happy for Mike, but those guys are ambitious, to they, say the least. <laughs> they are committed, aren't they? Um, and uh, he doesn't have the car yet, uh, but he's he's uh, it's being worked on, and uh, they they hope that they can have it out for this year for Super Dirt Week. That's kind of the plan. You and you you'll hear it when you uh, go back and listen to this and hear the interview I did with him. But uh, he he broke that news, and I couldn't believe it. I was just I was stunned. It was like wow. Okay. Okay, Mikey's uh, Mikey's a good dirt racer, and um, you know, and and again, his driving style fits perfectly. So um, it's just uh, like I said, those guys are a bunch of fun guys, and Rich just really wants to do as much as he can while he can, and um, you know, that's a that was a neat opportunity. Uh, he got a good deal on the car, so he uh, he bought it, and uh, he he and Mike will eventually be doing some dirt racing. Yeah, that's awesome for Mike, and and a brand new car, very good equipment, and um, I'm starting to like this crossover we're seeing. Some of the Oswego guys running dirt, Super Dirt Week. We've seen obviously Tyler Thompson do it, now Max McLaughlin, Joe, Joe Gozik, yep. Danny Kapazinski, yep, Otto Danny. Sitterly did yep. it. And if you look way back in 1992, they had a Super Dirt Car Series asphalt race at Oswego. So there's yeah. guys like. Jimmy Horton, I want to say Brett Hearn, that have also yep. run on both McCready. services. So Bob McCready, McCready. He used to run yeah, asphalt McCready, the modifieds right. in the 70s. Yeah. So, yeah, that used yep. to be a, a, a much more prevalent thing on a regular basis right. with a lot of guys. And uh, now everything's just become so specialized. But, uh, you know, not a brand-new car for, uh, for for Worth and Bruce, but um, it'll be new to them, obviously. And, um, you know, he says it's uh, good equipment, and uh, they're – they're looking forward to it, and and I gotta I gotta ask your your thoughts too because we uh, we didn't get to talk about this because it just happened last Friday. But um, Robbie the wrench, how about that young man, fifteen years old, going out there and uh, running some some high twenty second laps, first time in the car, and um, you know again we we talked a lot about him too, and uh, you really liked the interview with Rich, but um, you know I thought that was pretty amazing, honestly, for somebody who's had no um, you know, big car racing experience and just jump in and look that poised to even run that quickly. <laughs> yeah, no experience at all. And that was on yeah. old tires, rocks. So um, he did a great job and nice and smooth, very good on the throttle. And I like to see him getting out and working on the car. He knows his stuff there again. He that's does. another one of the, yep. the teenage kids. And I'll tell you what, I, I envy them because honestly, I never made the time to do that. Not even nearly as much as I should have when I was their age. And yep. um, it, it's, it's cool to see. And, and that knowledge that, that he's gained by working with Mike Bruce, working on his limited, he's his three fifty. He's now doing it on his own ride. And yep. um, it's already, you can see it, it helped. It's paying off for him. And I'm happy for the kid. It was, it was very impressive. Yeah. I've, uh, it's just exciting. It, you know, and it, it's, it's folks like rich and that whole group, um, you know, that really make 
the 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 racing what it is and you know folks like uh, the Bartlett's and you know all those those families the Millers the ones who don't necessarily have the biggest money don't necessarily have you know the um, the the full time resource to be able to do um, what they do but um, they do what they can because they love to do what they do and um, you know they they just work really hard and 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 Oswego Speedway has always been full of those people. Um, in all the divisions, really. And so um, just it was this has been a fun show to do um, with uh, with Rich uh, and and, you know, didn't expect to get an hour and a little bit of change. But it was a great interview and just um, a lot of topics covered there. So uh, fun stuff and even some stuff from his background that I didn't know. So, uh, um, you know, it's been a, a good show. And I know you want to get uh, back on track and uh, hopefully you know, soon, but I know you also want to do it right. Um, and so uh, hopefully we'll see you back out uh, at, at some point in the next, uh, you know, few weeks and being ready for classic when it comes by. Um, so, uh, yeah, fun stuff. Look forward to this weekend with uh, uh, the double-double and uh, then, you know, on to really big races uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks after that. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to it and hope to see everybody at the track this weekend. I'll be in the infield as the infield announcer. I'm subbing for Keith Zare, so oh, that'll nice. be a different view there for me. But, um, it'll be a fun weekend with double features, and I just got an email from the Atlantic Coast Old Timers. I wanted to mention they have six open-wheel cars and nine stock cars signed up. Uh, some some fun stuff, and I'm looking forward to seeing that those guys, fun. too. Kind of a nice bonus on an already big car. Yeah, like you said, the double-double this weekend. So yeah. um, good night to get to the track. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indy Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter. If you've got something that you need designed or fabricated, let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services End-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove sent you. Welcome back to Inside Groove, our closing segment for this week, episode 77, and that's where we will start this. Um, we we obviously talked about Bentley in our open and uh Bentley Warren being perhaps the most famous number 77 in Oswego Speedway history. And, uh, gosh, so much can be said about Bentley and his uh, legacy, his legend, his impact on not just Oswego Speedway, but um, super modified racing and open wheel racing and Indy, um, I mean, still to this day. You go to Indianapolis, and if you have a Bentley Warren T-shirt or jacket on, somebody's going to make a comment. Bentley was very popular, made a lot of friends in the indie world back in the day, and uh, just uh, 
his legend lives on, but he wasn't the only one. There have been a few other 77s. And again, I'm going to discount the 60s here because um, I just obviously didn't start going till 73. And so um, there may have been uh, 77s back then and someone slightly uh, more experienced and uh, chronologically ahead of me uh, can can help us with that perhaps. But um, Bentley was the first one I remember other than I want to say, and I, uh, again, I don't, to me, going back and looking through old programs or whatever, you can do that. But to me, that's cheating. I try to do this out of my memory. And unfortunately, my memory is starting to fail me a little bit. So it's kind of one of those, if I don't keep reading the old programs, I would forget fast what happened back then. And I don't want to do that. So I do keep reading them. However, uh, this is the one part of the show. I'll, I'll read those for research, for interviews or whatever. But, um, you know, definitely uh, don't go back through them for these uh, this particular segment of the show. But I think I remember that and it might have been 73 or 74, 75, maybe. Somewhere back in that range, I believe I remember, and only because it was rare for me, I think it might have happened more in the 60s, but it was rare for me from 73 forward to see a sprint car race in Oswego. In fact, I I remember uh, only a couple. I remember Don... Don Townsend is the guy that I think, I think it's Don or Dave, but I think it was Don. Um, I might be wrong on the first name, but I think it was Don Townsend. I don't know if he's a Midwest driver or Michigan guy or what, but I think I remember him coming one time with a sprint car in late in the year, one of those years that I mentioned. And that would have, I think that was a 77. I'm pretty sure. Um, and there are only, like I said, a couple that I remember sprint cars racing, which is why that stands out, I think, in my mind still. Um, Tom Rose in the 99 sprint car raced a little bit in, I don't know, it was 73. I guess it was 74. Um, and then Townsend and Bob Seelman, I, I know, ran a sprint car. I don't know if he ever raced it, like, from 73 forward. I don't. In my memory, I cannot recall him bringing it to Oswego after that. I remember him in a few different supers, but I don't remember um, him racing the sprint car from 73 on, but he might have. Um, And those are the only ones that that I remember racing at Oswego, which is why I think the Townsend guy sticks out. So I I think that's right, but somebody will correct me if, if it's not. And then there was, you know, Bentley, obviously. And um, and then we, we've had, that's kind of one of those numbers that if you're a 71 or you're a 17, and back in the day, they didn't let people run duplicate numbers because we didn't have the automatic scoring. And I still wish they wouldn't, even with the automatic scoring, because, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, I realized that... Um, it's not a big deal uh, to a fan necessarily or to the scorers necessarily, but it is to a fan who's trying to keep track of who's in which car. And, you know, you've got two or three of one number on the track. So I still wish they'd make people change numbers on the cars, even though for scoring, you don't need to worry about it. Um, But uh, back in that day, obviously you couldn't run duplicate numbers. So, um, 
I'm sure there were a number of 77s. Dave Samard probably uh, was one, I would guess. Uh, you know, the uh, Tim T. Trucking cars, uh, I think there was a 77 in there. Dick Batchelder, I think, ran Bentley's backup 77 once or twice. Um, gosh, uh, Bentley Warren might have been one of the May cars at one point. That might have been a 77. He also did run for Tim T., but I don't know. I don't recall if he ever did it Oswego or not. Um, and so the next the next sort of full-time 77 in the big block supers, I remember, was Bob Gudermout. Gudermout had two cars when he was running for uh, Darcy Kerfeen, I think the, the gentleman's name was. Um, he, had, he had the 93, and then the backup car, they made 77, and Bob kind of swapped back and forth a little bit, and he was 77 in the... Um, in the uh, limited now SBS class as well. Um, so he was the the next one I remember. And like I said, there probably been a few kind of one-offs um, that uh, were sort of renumbered to that because they had a number that somebody else already had and they needed to change it. Um, so, you know, those are always fun gaps to fill in. Uh, if anybody can recall any of those, um, can add those to the list, but, um, and, and I, and I would be remiss, honestly, if I didn't take a minute to talk about Bob Gudemout too, because, um, the first time I remember Bob racing was at Fulton in a street stock, I think, um, or late model back then it was hard to tell the difference sometimes between them. Um, but, uh, he was running in, in, in on the dirt at Fulton and, uh, remember him doing that and then came to Oswego and uh, that was where I first met him. Super, super nice guy. And boy, did he have talent. He could drive a race car. He was, he was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, really in that era, the, the sort of graves slash page slash, you know, that, that era of super modified racing, so many great competitors and that was really uh, the limited super modified division, which is now the SBS class, um, put a number of drivers over the years into the super modified division. And Bob was one of those. Um, we could do a whole show and talk about the number of them and different stories about each of them and such. But Bob was um, certainly one of those drivers and, you know, got a number wins, did a, a just did a great job driving for uh, the Kerfeens and, um, you know, always really nice cars. So, um, you know, Bob is one of those drivers. I think uh, probably the funniest Bob Goodemount story that I know about, and I'm sure there, there are other people who could tell some, some even better ones, but I just remember the night, and it might have been his first ever win in the Limiteds. I can't remember if it was or not, but he, he won a feature, and then put both hands up in the air. So he had them both off the wheel, went into turn one, spun the car, and hit the foam. Um, <laughs> it ended up driving a crash, crashed car, foam on it, and all the victory lane. It was funny. Um, you know, and, and he was obviously good-natured about it. Um, so a, a nice gentleman and a really talented driver. Bob is, is uh, probably the last of the uh, – the big 77s. Um, and again, you know, 
anybody can fill in as they will. But the uh, the Tim T car, I feel like, and the May cars, um, Tim T, I think, was always 77. And in, 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 in the May cars, uh, I'm sure at, at times probably she had, I think the, the, the regular number was seven. So, you know, it becomes easier to just add a seven if you need to, if you're going to run both cars or whatever. So um, probably a number of drivers. Um, I wonder, actually, uh, I remember Gary Albritton winning an ISMA show at Oswego in, no, that might have been Ed Shea's car that he won in. I can't even remember, but that was his last Oswego win, I think. And and so I, I, I in, in my mind, I, I can't remember if that was a, a May car and it might have been numbered 77. I'm not sure. Or it might have been the Shea car. It, uh, I think it was, I think it was the Shea car. Now that I'm thinking about it, it was one of the Ed Shea cars. Um, but, uh, at any rate, you all can have some fun with that, but certainly Bentley is probably, you know, obviously the most iconic 77, but there were some others. Um, and, uh, uh you know, that's a number I kind of just like some numbers just look good. I always think 77 is one of those numbers that you can make look good on a car. Some some number combinations I don't think do look good together. But, you know, a pair of sevens is kind of, uh, um, you know, a, a nice, it can be done well, depending on the font that you choose and such. So, um, you know, that was, and, and again, the fact that it, it so happened uh, that Bentley would end up on television again this week, or at least streaming TV uh, with, the the lost speedways season coming out um you know that was uh one of those funny little coincidences we seem to have every once in a while um and so uh that's gonna bring this to a close here episode 77 uh hope you've enjoyed it uh and hope that you uh, enjoyed the time with rich worth that was a really fun interview super nice guy and has just put his heart and soul and you know, so many of his dollars into this sport that we all love and continues to do that and expand. It was fun getting the little breaking news about the dirt car. Um, you know, can't wait to see Mike in that. That should be a lot of fun. And uh, looking forward to seeing what the month of July brings at the Oswego Speedway. And also, of course, we got ISMA and MSS both, uh, you know, fully up and running now. So um, their seasons will continue as well. And to do the best we can, if you've got super modified news, uh, it's, there's an easy way to get it on the show. It's just simply go to the Inside Groove Facebook page uh, and and just uh, DM me. Just send me a private message through that page. Um, and uh, we'll make sure that we get it out on the show. Uh, you know, and, and uh, we'll, we, we want to do as, as best we can. And by the way, I, I also need to apologize to Steve Quantz because – my brain totally went south on me and took a walk uh, when I did last week's show, and I couldn't remember the name of his uh, brand that he's starting to build. Race Day Productions is what it is. Uh, so, I, Steve, I'm sorry. I, I, that wasn't meant to be a slight in, in any way, um, and I don't think Steve would have taken it that way. Um, I, I just could not remember the name, and I, and I couldn't look it up fast enough. Um, when I have my – when I'm doing this show – it's hard for me to look at a different screen because the the way that I have the computer set up and I have to watch the audio uh, and such as I'm recording it, so um, I couldn't I couldn't get uh, my phone to, to go to Facebook fast enough. I wanted to kind of transition out of that little part of the show I was in. So um, again, I'm sorry, uh, Steve. I didn't mean to do that. Race Day Productions is the name, and I am so thankful those guys are doing that. 
Uh, I hope they keep it up. I hope you all go follow them. We need more super modified content, not less. So uh, I am tickled to death that somebody's trying to put some effort into uh, getting more content out there. And uh, I, again, anybody from ISMA or MSS, um, you know, I, I'm more than willing. You know, you, you, you got to get me stuff to talk about here. I can go to your Facebook page and see what's there. But, um, you know, would love to be getting winter views and things like that. But somebody's got to do them. So, um, you know, look forward to hopefully at some point somebody uh, uh, starts to do that and take advantage of the opportunity here that this show offers. But uh, we'll do the best we can. It uh, should be a great month of July. Looking forward to all of it. Thank you all for listening to this show. Thanks to our sponsor, Sean Cathcart. With Skip's Fish Fry and LaGraff's Pub, thanks to Jeff West, uh, Indie Performance Composites, IPCindie.com. And, of course, JNS Paving and Rich Worth. Thank you to each and every one of them for their support of the Inside Groove Show. Have a fantastic racing weekend. Be safe, everyone. And we'll be back next week with Episode 78. That should be fun just to talk about that number. Uh, those of you who go back to the 60s or early 70s, you'll know exactly why. Um, we'll talk about all that next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening and so long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing.